Benders, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Dan Scully, and we are coming to you from quarantine, bitches. And right. uh, it's where we're still separated, so apologies in advance for any audio issues you might hear. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's just the way it's going to be. We're uh, on, we're so, on uh, Skype. Uh, uh, <laughs> With us today, we have from Cinema 76... From, oh, uh, now i got to list all the podcasts. Shame Files <laughs> podcast. From, uh, I saw it in a movie. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know him, you love him. Ryan Silverstein. Hey, hey. Glad to be back on the show, even if I'm not hanging with you guys in person. I'm still glad that we're uh, we're doing this. Yeah. Hells yeah. Well, it's good to see you, man. It's good to see both of you. It's, we're all, like, it's just weird. Like The only human that I see that I care about is Jenna. And then the only other humans I see are the people in the grocery store who should all be at home so that I can grocery shop by myself. Yes. And so I yeah. don't like those people. And so it's great to see different faces again. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I'm mad about Skype dropping that first intro is that it might be the first time in this podcast history that I said Ryan's name correctly. It's all right. You'll, you'll have other chances. I believe yeah. in you. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, you're joining us today to talk about what turns out to be, as I was talking with you, one of your favorite movies. Uh, and, uh, this is kind of like a recent favorite of mine. Dan and I were chatting about, uh, what we wanted to talk about. And I, I don't know, this just like jumped to the top of my brain. Uh, today we're going to talk about the original, the taking of Pelham one, two, three. Uh, and I am really excited to talk about this movie because I watched it again just a couple days ago and, uh, it was just as incredible as it was the first time I saw it. Which was only like a year ago. Uh, I like just Did discovered. Did you see this it at movie. like a uh, at an exhumed or something? No, I just I think it was like on I don't know Prime or uh, it was just on one of the services, and I had always heard good things about this movie, and yeah, I just yeah, decided yeah. to watch it. Well, I just I saw it on TV as a kid because it was like a, a TNT or oh, yeah, um, occasionally, and so I had never actually seen it front to back. I just knew it was like respected. So this week was my first time watching it, and it is like. That's the best move I've ever seen in my life. That is fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely incredible. And I would kill to see to see it in an exhumed format. Oh yeah. I would Me love too. to see this on the big screen. Uh this is like the I watched it this morning for like the third or fourth time, I think. Um oh, wow. One of my college buddies recommended it to me because he's like, you are Walter Matthau in this movie and I need you to see it. Uh, and then I watched it for the first time and I was like, no, that's that's accurate. That is accurate. entirely accurate. Uh, yeah. That is how I feel on a daily basis. Can uh, I say well, that you're a little bit, you're slightly less uh, sexist and racist than he is? Slightly. And I would slightly. I would say because slightly. He's slightly there. Right. He's just, he's in his own time. He's a product yes, of his time. Yeah, yeah. I can't there say was that so if so many lines that made me laugh though when I was like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> oh, dude, the the maybe the the biggest laugh I got in the movie is right at the end when he finally meets the uh black police captain that he's been talking to <laughs> the whole time. That's the yep. one, yeah. I the way, yeah, I don't know what I thought. The way he <laughs> throws that away when he realizes he's about to have to say something very racist, he goes like, "Yeah, I thought you would be Taller, I, whatever. He just like he gets in the back of the car. <laughs> yeah. He he literally says, I, I I memorized the line because I I watched it a second time yesterday yeah. because I loved the movie so much. He's like, 
oh hey i thought you were the, i thought you were a smaller guy I, or i don't know what i thought <laughs> yeah <laughs> he just gets in there and it was clear he just stammered o- yeah. over the fact he was black but i watched the remake last night as well <laughs> um the first uh the second time that John Travolta, who is the Robert Shaw character, mm-hmm. and Denzel Washington, who's the Walter Matthau character, the second time that they... Uh, no, it's the first time that they meet. Uh, I believe uh, John, Travolta, uh, John Travolta looks at him and goes, oh, wow, I thought you'd be taller. <laughs> and so course, they, they just so do like a they slight kept little that reference specific to thing, it. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's a couple little fun ones like that, but enough of it. Enough about that stupid movie. Let's talk about the really good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as much as I want to be a fan of Tony Scott, that movie does not do any favors for my uh, impression of his uh, filmography. See, I had the experience where I was watching it, and because it's been so long since I've watched a Tony Scott movie, like I loved his movies at 15 because that was the aesthetic for a 15 year old, and uh, but I've really grown to to. I've grown to see how much I miss it in his absence. And so even watching Pelham 123, which I think is a eh, middle ground material, the Tony Scott-esque aspects of it were ultimately what made me love it so much. I, I could see him working his way to try and make something new out of a, I guess, you know, what is a classic. And and I really respected it, even if the, it didn't quite gel. I definitely want to see it at some point, just because I'm curious about the Tony Scott of it all, you know? Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's Denzel is great in it. He's like, yeah. he puts in a really he, good performance. Yeah, he's good. And the way that it's altered from the original, like they try to, to modernize it, but they still try to keep the whole just ba 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 of it, where it's just, you know, people at yeah. work. But uh, in heightening it, it kind of gets a little bit goofy. But yeah. there's some, like, John Turturro's great in it. Um, he is really, he's a hostage yeah. negotiator. He's a character that's not even in the original. Okay. Gandolfini's the mayor. Uh, it's got a really stacked cast, except that at the uh, this House of Cards, its base is made out of Travolta, and he is just a he's a nightmare in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he's he's playing at like fourteen when everybody else is playing at a nine, <laughs> like, and it's weird because he's not threatening. So when he comes no, he's in, not scary. Just like, oh, what what, what happened? You spill your milk? <laughs> like you just want to mock him. Yeah, he's. I don't even know what he's trying to do. Like it's almost it's it's uh it's it's face off. He's trying to be Nicolas Cage is the closest mm-hmm. thing I could approximate it to. So it's just it does not work. Oh, it doesn't work. But it, there's a lot of things just watching it. I was going, you know, for to to try and take a script that I'm going to say was fucking perfect mm-hmm. to try and take that script and then go, oh, what can we mine out of it to make it better or newer? That's kind of an impossible task. And the, the pains that they took in the, the remake to, to do that, you can see them and they're respectable, but they're swings that don't connect typically. Yeah. And I think it would just be a more enjoyable movie if I wasn't laughing at Travolta the like anytime he's on screen. Like, honestly, like I feel like that miscasting kind of, like you said, it, it upends the whole thing and makes it, I think, more heightened than even the rest of the movie itself would be. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Who who would we if we pulled out Travolta? Who could we put in to maybe beef that movie up? Do you think? Uh, let's see. Am, am I going like what when it came out or just like now? Uh, I mean, yeah, that came out like what two thousand nine. Yeah, because yeah, I want to so say Tom Hardy, so. but I want like that was my 20... first thought too. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. but <laughs> he would thought, be good. In my head, I'm going. He's kind of too little because that was another thing. What. It, Denzel was considerably taller than Travolta, so when they like kind of face off, he just comes across as even more of a pipsqueak. Even though Travolta, I, uh, sorry, Denzel Washington's sort of playing a more pathetic character. 
Right. It's weird. It's fucking weird. This, the, the big change that that movie makes to uh, Denzel's character being like, may like, I'm I still don't re- I don't remember 100% if he's actually like a dirty transit cop or not. Basically, oh, they they do a pretty uh. He, he did something illegal, but when he explains why, it wasn't something wrong. It's one of right. those situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, like, that just, like, it, it, that also changes the movie a lot in a way that's, like, interesting, but, but not better in my yeah. yeah, yeah. I would agree 100%. I think I would pull out, if I pulled out of Travolta, oh, man, I guess I could put in, like, Maybe it's just because I'm looking at a poster of the guest, but Dan Stevens is smiling at me. Oh, sure. <laughs> I could put a Dan Stevens in there. But if I needed, like, a, a big dude... Oh, no, you know who I'd put in? Because um, he wants a role so bad. But uh, Scott Adkins, even though he, the oh. role requires no karate, yeah. him to be a tough <laughs> is something I think I could I could see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see Stevens just because, like, it is... Like, it doesn't actually need to be, like, a tough-looking guy, right? Like, he... Mm. He's like he, he says he's like a mercenary, like Robert Shaw's version of the character is like a mercenary, right? Yeah. yeah so right. like and uh, Travolta is just a big Limp Biscuit fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe it's he. He turns out to be like an ex Wall Street guy. Yeah, oh really? It's, it's something yeah, ridiculous. Like Weird. A, uh, and I understand it might be closer to the book than okay. the first movie was. I'm not sure though. But like they pull the same. They pull like a Hans Gruber where it's like he doesn't want the money. He wants the bigger picture. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. 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 Um, no, I kind of like that about the original one, though, that it's like it is everybody is like exactly what they say they are. Right. Like it's a movie of like intentions like mm-hmm. uh, Matthau's character. There's there's not some sinister backstory to him. He is a transit cop and he's just like doing his job as well as he can in the face of these like crazy circumstances. And uh, Robert Shaw's character is like. He, he wants money. He just he's holding this thing up for money and he thinks he has a really good plan. To get out with the money, uh, and everybody and, uh, states their intentions clearly. To die at all. Yeah. I, I, that's what I love about Robert Shaw's character is that he straight up is just like, yeah, we might die today. And that's just part of it. Yeah. Yep. He's like, he's like at such peace with that that makes him that much more villainous. Ooh. Yeah. It. I mean, he like that is kind of like one of the interesting tensions of that movie, right? Is like watching the four different. Uh, bad guy I, I guess terrorists is what you would call them watching the the four terrorists like they're very different personality types you know mm-hmm. and like watching um uh what's the what's the actor's name that plays the sniffly guy do we know uh, the, oh that is um hold uh, on i have it all right here that's uh, martin balsam right mr brown martin balsam that's it yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Mr. Green. yeah yes martin balsam he who is very good i like him and he he's like you could tell he's not comfortable with the idea of people having to die today, mm-hmm. you know, but ultimately the movie is about like, but he does want that money. And when push comes to shove, there kind of is no cost to that money for him. He's going to be happy to have it even at the cost of lives, you know? Yeah. He's like the, uh, I'll go for it. Oh, I was going to say like, he's one of those like true, uh, like just that guy actors, because I just pulled up his, his letterbox. Yeah. He was in 95 movies. Okay. <laughs> I've seen most of like the top three rows. So like most of the first like 12 movies that come up and I've seen 5% of his work. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> what, uh, what are the, what are the highlights? Uh, psycho, um, 12 angry is, men. Is he the, uh, psychologist at the end of psycho? Um, Oh my God. Is that who he is? No, he's a deta- he's Arbogast. He's, he's Arbogast. Arbogast. Yeah, of course he wow. is. Wow, 
Of yeah, course he is. That just blew okay. my mind. Uh, he's one of the Twelve Angry Men. Oh my right God! On. Yeah. Of course. Um, he is. He's, uh, he's in Breakfast at Tiffany's. He's in All the President's Men. He's in uh, one of the versions of Cape Fear, uh, the Scorsese one. Uh, he's in Murder on the Orient Express. Like, jeez. Um, he's in Death All Wish of them. Three. Of course, he's in Death Wish Three. He plays Death Wish Three. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I really like the dynamic of he's a guy who's like, oh, I have the knowledge. Like this is like not his plan, but his maybe his idea or like his part of the plan. But he's really uncomfortable with. He's like, if this all goes smoothly, like we won't have to kill anybody. Like nobody will get hurt. Mm-hmm. We'll get the money, and like everybody wins. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and then, I feel you like know, they have such a fun, uh, like a fun team dynamic because you do need all four of them to get it done. Like there's the henchman played by Wilson from home improvement. Yep. And <laughs> there's the, uh, that is him. That is Earl yeah, Hinman. Yeah. And then there's like the wild card. Yeah. Hector Elizondo. Yeah. Elizondo. And then he's like, got, you know, the, 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 the technician who's like the guy who can operate the subway and all that. Yeah. And then the mastermind. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really like, uh, like Elizondo is sort of a counter to, um, uh, to Balsam's character, you know, mm-hmm. um, because you've you've got like the one guy that's like kind of uncomfortable with all of this, and the other guy that like is so all about it that it makes the rest of them uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, and oh, yeah, uh, they introduce him right off the bat, and the first he, thing he does is just like grope a woman, uh, like you know, slips. just like say some creepy shit to her, licks her lips, yeah. and he's just like that guy, and yeah. it perfectly establishes him. And what was funny is when it first started, I was like is he a regular 1974 guy or is he going to like become a character? I didn't know yet, <laughs> right. but I'm glad he, he became a character and it was, yeah, he was a creep. Yeah. And even the way the that car. they, they, the way that this movie does, uh, especially character exposition without highlighting it, like without doing a lot of dialogue around it is amazing because like we meet all those guys as they're getting on the train and just visually, just by the way they move, we know that they're one of those guys. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we see them, we see like kind of almost points of view shot of how they see the other people on the train, how they're evaluating the situation. Like there's so many things about this plan going into motion that are just done completely visually. And it's yeah. to me that that is the mark of a good screenplay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, this is written brilliantly. Uh, you know, even just like the touch of having, uh, uh, what is Walter Matthau's name? Garber. Having a uh, you know Garber giving the tour to the uh, Japanese trained guys. <laughs> yeah. Come on, down He's he's literally yeah. just giving exposition where he's like, ah, the one two three at the pass at one two at one twenty three going to Pella yeah. Pella one two three. Yeah, and like just going through it. Ah, that's impossible. It's a dead man switch. You know, yeah. like it's he does all the exposition, but they handle it in the way that these guys are all. Uh, it, it is just a very good. Uh, we just go back and forth from process that we see visually. And exposition that is told to us in very clever ways. Yeah. Right. And ways where it's, you know, it's not the info dump way. Like it's built into the fabric of the work mm-hmm. uh, in a way that's really cool because they're, you know, because even so much of that stuff with the dead man switch is from one of the passengers on the train who's like, oh, don't worry. Yeah. Like yeah. there's this dead man switch. So like we're going to be fine. And then, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it's like, wait, no, we're not. So. Yeah. Like, even that's not in a way that's, like, clever and fun and not just, like, necessarily, like, it's not taking us out of that uh, that moment in the train car with those people. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And I like that the the movie is, like, um, 
sort of like running through a lot of tropes, but is also like aware of the tropes, especially like in this regard, like what you guys are talking about. Like there's that scene later in the movie where um, one of the guys that uh, Mathau works with is like, he's like, hey, well, what about all the what about all the Japanese businessmen? And uh, Walter Mathau turns around and goes, huh? What? Oh, I forgot. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's like the, the movie is literally having fun with the idea of like, yeah, they're literally just a plot device that's here so that we can do the exposition. And now and the I exposition the... is over and the plot has started. So they are unnecessary. Like, yeah, they got to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. But they leave on a joke because yeah. uh, the one guy is just like, oh, hey, yeah, thanks. No problem. I speak perfect English. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, oh, shit, we said a lot of mean things. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that because they set them up as not having any English dialogue until that moment. It's so much, it has to be, there's so much less written there. Like, they don't have yeah. to interrupt him with questions. Like, we don't have right. to give them a ton of characterization other than mm. as this group. And so it's really easy to shuffle them on and off stage, you know. And, and it perfectly sets up Mathau's character when he's introduced to them, where he's like, oh, right, I forgot I had to do this today. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm already annoyed at my job. And it's just, I identify with that so strongly because there are times where I'm like, all right, I'm going to get into the office. I'm going to knock out these three things. And then I have this meeting and then somebody will like add a meeting to the calendar, like in the morning before I get, yeah, before yeah. I physically get to work. And I'm like, well, now my whole day, it's just off and it's just ruined. <laughs> and like, I'm never going to get back. Right. <laughs> Dude, I hate that. I actually had that happen the other day. I was like, it, it was a fight to get like that workflow going. Mm -hmm. Just things kept going up. And then I finally like hit that flow and I'm just like, all right, I'm pounding through work. And then it was just like mandatory zoom meeting in three. I'm like, you, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> I've lived the rest of my day. I'm going to go jump off the roof of my house. This is That's ridiculous. it. I quit. I'm out. I quit. I'm out. <laughs> I'm in the zoom meeting. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. And you're cool. You're yeah. cool. <laughs> and I'm just muted and nobody notices. I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> but then he's like so good at his job, right? It's like that's the that is the beauty of the character. And it's like why this movie is so good and uh, why I like it as a process movie, which yes. uh, I think we'll probably talk about a lot today. But it, it he is a, a guy that seems to be mostly annoyed at his job. He's Ryan. You said he, uh, people. um ascribed him to you or you to him. And uh, I also feel a kinship with this character where he just, he doesn't hate his job, but boy, is it annoying. It's just a really <laughs> yeah. annoying job that is frustrating to do. But when push comes to shove and like the actual like meat of the job needs to be done, he's the best person to do it and just does it yep. like cleanly and quickly and like makes good choices, but takes a minute to make those choices. Like, He's very exactly. considerate of all of the options, but has enough experience to choose the right option. You know, like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's someone who knows the job so well that when a challenge comes, he's the exact person that you want because he knows all the ways that things can go wrong. All like he's been through all the normal stuff. Yeah. And so when something new actually happens, he's one like the, the flitch, the switch is flipped. Right. And he's just on and he's like, oh, now I have all this experience I can draw in to solve this unusual problem. Yeah. And then tomorrow I'll go back to being annoyed at all of the usual stuff. Yeah. Because uh, I love when he lists off the crimes that he has to deal with. Oh, yeah. my God. They're brutal. 
Yeah, they're brutal. I bet you boys get some crimes in the uh, Tokyo system, eh? <laughs> As if yeah. he's proud of all the crimes they right. have. Right. But he's like, you know, sexual assault, like, yeah. uh, you know, sexual molestation is right. the term that he uses. Yeah. Um, and then at, at one point he just says Michigan's. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, that's, I mean, yes, sure. But like, that's not a specific crime. <laughs> like, yeah, you can't yeah. be charged with Michigan's. <laughs> the, um, I feel like it's a, a movie that, it's about like when there's a deviation from process and then therefore process has to assert itself so hard to get back into process. And we watch that happen, you know, on the large scale of the movie is just regular day at the, at the, you know, transit authority deviation in process. And then they just process their way back to it. And same thing with the criminals. They have a plan set up, but as it turns out, there's small deviations that they slowly have to keep accounting for. And ultimately it turns out that the people who had years and years of process in place kind of win on the process battle. And uh, I don't know, that's, that's how it resonated with me was that we're watching a deviation be worked out by the system. Yeah, totally. And I like that the other guy that Mathout works with, who's even more annoyed at his job than Garber is, oh, is yeah. like, like he's not even worried about like the hostage situation. He's only concerned with how it's going to affect the rest of the system yeah, yeah. and yes. like yeah, what yeah. all the backups are going to be. And there's a line where he's like, uh, where like Garber's like, well, what about the hostages? Like, what about them? And he's like, oh, whatever. What do they expect for 35 sets to live forever? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so dismissive. Well, and I love to, like, he's the first guy to really talk to the, uh, to the hospital, uh, to the, uh, uh, terrorists. And he's like, because like I want this uh you know million dollars or whatever and he goes that'll be the day yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus yeah. it's a terrorist that's what I'd be like oh yes sir yes sir well I do I mean I do think there's like an interesting and I'm sure I'm partially thinking about these things because of what's happening in in the world and specifically in our country right now in the midst well, of we're the watching uh, a de- we're living a deviation from process right only we're finding out that the process didn't really exist in the first place so well the people correct running well. the deviation don't actually give a shit about us well yes, and that's yeah. i think that that's going on in this movie too right like this movie is about working people uh, who literally what they do is keep the system in order and keep the system functional and in place and operating. And as soon as there's a deviation that prevents that from happening, it turns out that the system is like that they're helping support is not actually designed to like support them back. You know, yeah, the, yeah, the mayor yeah. just like doesn't really care and knows he's hated and just would rather not speak to the public yeah, than do oh, yeah. something to win them back, you know? And I love, uh, I love how his wife saves the day, too, yes. when she's like, think of it as 18 votes, and then he right. is on. Yeah. Uh, Doris Roberts of Everybody Loves Raymond fame BT dubs. Yeah, Raymond's <laughs> yeah. mother. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, to me, that was a lot of what this movie was about, and I like really enjoyed that about the movie, about the, this, like system that uh is supported by the working man who is not necessarily then supported back by by that system yeah 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 and i think that that's uh one of the feelings that i got uh, watching this movie for the first time emerging from it was i was like wow like when it comes to the bullshit it's not it's not going to be the you know the people up at top that are that are actually going to really do the work it always falls on like the day-to-day worker kind of guy and I hope as a silver lining to relate it to, you know, the cre- the present day troubles. Uh, once we do emerge from this, I hope that this does further highlight the notion that it's like the system actually doesn't work without 
us. So, you know, make it work better for us. And, you know, that, that, I hope that's what we get out of this experience uh, amongst other things. But that was how I felt leaving this movie. I was like, wow, like the working man really did get shit fixed. Right. You know, yeah. all the mayor did was say yes. Even it was the the assistant mayor. Uh, that guy <laughs> right. was probably my favorite character in the whole movie. He got everything done. Yeah. And uh, but he doesn't get to be mayor. Right. No, I also no, no. I love the way he operated, which was basically knowing what the correct call was and having to just like play the mayor's game until he got the mayor to say that. So that yeah, he could yeah. then relay that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he already knew what outcome he wanted and he just had to manipulate the conversation in the room to get the mayor to be like, okay, yeah, fine. Just do the fucking thing that you said yeah, you're going to yeah. do. I mean, I I've, he, had, like, I've, I've had a boss like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He like lays out the boat. He's like, "What's gonna happen?" He's like, "Well, the times are gonna crucify you. Yeah. The daily, yeah. the sun is gonna praise you, and yeah. blah blah." And he just had it like down yeah. to a science, and it just yeah. spoke to like even his job has a process. Right. And in this deviation, he's just like, "No, I have to trust the. I have to. I have to trust the process. You have to trust the process and get this back." Yeah, yeah. and I really, I really like this as a uh, asymmetrical chess game because mm-hmm. like Shaw's character is playing the system. Yes. And then Garber is playing Shaw as as like a pawn or a knight or whatever within that system. Like he's not in charge, mm-hmm. you know, but he's balanced. He's trying to be that stopgap between, you know, someone who is not a part of this world as Shaw is, who's like, you know, kind of an external force coming in to the system uh, and also hoping that the infrastructure all the way up through the mayor, you know, including the cops and everybody else in transit cooperates enough to not have this end in disaster. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He like, he understands the limitation of the infrastructure that he's like working within. And so he's like constantly having to figure out how to do like make his maneuvers within that infrastructure. Right. Mm-hmm. And and yep. then, tr- and then occasionally how to get that infrastructure to bend to his maneuvers, like it is really the only way to eventually solve the problem. Right. Yep. I love the line that, uh, that Garber has, where he's like, uh, would it interest you to uh, know that I think I've got it figured out how you're going to get out of there? Yeah. And then Shaw has, uh, we call him, I love how we call him Shaw. Yeah. Uh, what, was it Mr. Green? Oh, uh, no, he he's, is. He's uh, blue. Uh, is he blue? Yeah, blue. Yeah, he's yep. Mr. Blue. Okay. And so, and then Blue, who is very much just, you know, no more negotiations, yeah. click, you know, uh, no one else gets off. Very much like that's it. That was the one point where he was just like, Actually, it would interest me very much to know. And then he gives him the, the line where he's like, you're going to get every man, woman, and child in the city to close their eyes and count to 100. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he couldn't resist but to do. But at the same time, like, I love that that line because he's asserting, like, I know that it's impossible for you to get out there. I know this system. You, mm-hmm. you can't get out of that, that train system. It's not going to happen. Right. So he's and- like mocking him as well i love that it's like a power move almost yeah because it's like i know that you also know that there's no way that you can get out there just by doing the things that you're saying so i know that there has to be some other trick you're going to pull and it's just a matter of time before i figure out and catch up with you what that trick is i also think that's like a moment where he he's testing the waters of like what kind of man he's really dealing with by saying would it interest you to know that i've figured it out Mm-hmm. I think he wants he's curious how he'll respond to that, right? Because he doesn't mm-hmm. actually he doesn't have an answer. He just fucks with him when he right. when he finally yeah, answers yeah. him. But I but I think he is trying to get a read on exactly what kind of man he's dealing with and being able to being able to get him to go, 
basically getting him to deviate because him saying like, yes, it would interest me to know is getting Shaw, getting blue to deviate from what he keeps saying, which is no, no, yeah, no yeah, more yeah. conversation. No, no, no more. And so he, he finds out that like, this guy cares about being able to play, win this chess game. That's actually mm-hmm. what he cares about is winning this both, chess game. They're simultaneously creating the illusion of assured process. Right. Um, it's yep. very important to every character. Like even when um, uh, I believe it's one of the police chiefs calls the transit cop, mm-hmm. and he's just like, "Don't react to this. Right. There's been a hijacking." And like, there's very much everybody's putting on the front of, "Oh no, no, this deviation that you're throwing into our process is actually not an issue for us. Right, process right. is working just fine." And and it even goes down to just the traffic coordinator guy who d- is not having any of it. His job that day is to make sure that the trains otherwise run as normal. Yeah, right. No matter what, you know. Uh, even yeah. the the mayor's doing one. He has to show up and he has to say, "I condemn these men," and he has to do it and he has to pretend that he doesn't have the flu. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely. And, and I don't know whether on that image. I don't know whether it's because uh, of the current situation or my deep love of Tom Hanks's performance in Bridge of Spies, but I love how many people have colds in this movie. Yes. Yeah. It's so <laughs> like good. the mayor has a cold. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Mr. Green has a cold and it's just it it just adds so much to the movie in terms of texture like it's it's just a easy acting choice to throw that in there but the fact that like everyone already just feels crappy um, you know I also do identify with Mr. Green because I know if I was like all right today's the day big heist like I know I would have like a cold or I'd like have the runs or like just something like just like extra annoying time Every time I'm about to go on a trip, I get sick, like right before I leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it always happens. Uh, very rarely it does not. It's the Yeah, I feel you. I would be like, yep, let's rob a train. And that morning, just like, oh, it's the worst sickness I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. I've gone and caught the corona. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but yeah, uh, I, very weird for us to have chosen a movie where the flu saves the day. <laughs> Uh, in the middle of a quarantine, but what are you going to do? <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's interesting to note that we do have two characters that are experiencing a, a cold or the flu, right? But one of them is the mayor, and he is dodging all of his responsibility and trying to stay in bed as much as possible, uh, even though... he's an absolute dick to his nurse. Yes, and, and he's the assistant mayor slaps her. He's right. ostensibly, like, the one that should be doing the most right now. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the... Uh, now... Uh, you could maybe argue with how I'm gonna about to characterize uh, Mr. Green right now, but the working man goes to work with his cold, right? Like right, he yeah. just goes to work and continues to do his job because he has to, because otherwise he's not gonna survive. Like eventually we see Mr. Green's living conditions and they're not great. And it seems like that's because he was let go from his probably already not that good job as a train conductor, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so, I, I, you know, well, now he, he does go on they... to commit a big crime, but I but still would consider Mr. him the working uh, man of this movie. Shaw I would, blue, yeah. right? Yep. Because even yep. Shaw does the, like, you know, beats, I, I forget what the specific line is, but he drops the, like, you know, when uh, he's like, I think I'm going to die. I can't get over the feeling that I'm just going to die today. He goes, well, yeah. you know, beats sitting in an office or beats... Right. Run on a like train that. or whatever. Yeah. Like he uses that to. Mo- I think you're spot on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Uh, everybody who has ever worked a job has gone in way too sick to go in yep. because they have to. Yeah, they just and have to. That's ultimately what unravels the the whole plan. That that yeah. unravels his survival and and ability to get away with this too. Is that he didn't just stay home from sick like he should have because capitalism demands that he can't. It's almost <laughs> right. as if you're yeah. saying 
that short-term greed isn't sustainable <laughs> in the long run. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny that no matter what I watch right now, I'm like viewing through this very particular lens. But I do think this movie actually supports it pretty well. Dude, their movies were coming out about that even before the apocalypse. I mean, Parasite was like, you know, the big one. Yeah. It's, yeah, the the weight of that is being felt. And now that it's cheaper to make art, the uh, response to it is starting to be seen. But what I also wanted to say was, so like, I, I think that's kind of my quote unquote interesting read on this movie, right? But what's so fucking great about this movie is that it's like wildly entertaining whether you are are putting any thought or effort into that read on the movie at all, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it just fucking works as like a banging thriller. It, it, there's no, I mean, there's tons of exposition, but there's no, um, there's no dilly dallying or lead up. It opens yeah, with yeah, just yeah. the crime starting, you know? Right. And then it's we the are just in it the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, and we're just in it the whole time. The movie doesn't end until the crime is fully over, you know, mm-hmm. and, and wrapped up and solved, and then that's and then the movie's over. And I love that there's a, enough exposition where it, it's not always like, oh, I know that that's going to come back later because there's stuff where uh, where the one, uh, I guess he's a conductor, is training the new conductor yeah. to call oh, out like guy. the stations and stuff. But like, like he becomes like he's a character, but like his instruction in terms of like how they call out the stops and like how they have to check to make sure that the doors are locked on this side. And then on this side, none of that comes back, but it's all just building us into this, pulling us into this world of how the subway works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I love and the it, one piece of advice he gives him. Cause he's like coming up 56th street. He's like, it's not 56th street. He's like, sorry, sorry. 51st street. He's like, never <laughs> tell him you're sorry, kid. Someone's going to run back here and slap you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And that builds the world so well because, but it also informs like every passenger in that train deep down in their heart wants to stand up and be like, I'm not a hostage today, you fucking idiot. Put your gun away. But they can't do it. You right. Know, that, that New York, uh, that city guy. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Oops. this movie is heavy and strong on the, the character of the city of New York and how New Yorkers uh, respond to things in a very particular way. And that leads to a lot of these sort of like, drama and tension of a lot of scenes is is just and and the humor i mean that's the other thing is this movie is like very funny for not oh, yeah. act, for ostensibly not being a comedy you know what i mean you know what line made yeah. me laugh uh when uh because partially because it's just funny the way it was worded but mostly because it's the most dated line when he's like he's got a thick english accent he could be a fruitcake yeah, yeah. I love yeah. the idea that he's just like everybody in England is a fruitcake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but as soon as he said that, I was like, my dad believes that all British people are gay. I I know that. Yeah. That's 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 he's yeah. he's literally said so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the word for fucking word. And so when I heard that, it was like, I've met this guy. Yeah. But I also I'll tell you what my dad would handle a terrorist situation like a motherfucker because yeah. he trusts the process. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I also love how this movie is extremely entertaining and also very funny. I love the, uh, you know, why don't you hijack a goddamn airplane like everybody else? Yeah, uh, yeah. And the guy's like, we're afraid of flying. And it's like, <laughs> like, he's like, I'm also just going to fuck with you because you're obviously just fucking with me. And yeah. so it, it's that even back and forth. But I really love this as a New York movie because yeah. it's. It's a, it's the it's the gritty like you know seventies eighties New York that doesn't exist anymore, mm-hmm. but it's it's the romanticized version of that. Yes. Yeah. Um, like part of it is that the uh, it, for their cooperation, the MTA would not allow them to show any graffiti on the subway cars. Mm. That's kind of cool. 
um, because they were like, we don't want to promote this. And like, you right. know, and the producers were like, but the movie's not going to look realistic because every subway car in New York is covered in graffiti <laughs> right uh-huh. now. Yeah. Um, and so it's this it's weird. Like trying to create the illusion of having a smooth process. Yeah. Right. But it also creates this like romanticized version of gritty real New York, which is kind of fun to play with. Like this is the same New York as Ghostbusters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where like it's that thing where like New York is a scary place, but like also we like the people who live there, like I love this town and like yeah, there's we look so out much for each other. Right, you know, but only when things get really, really shitty. Otherwise, you can fuck off. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you know, yeah. it's it's that very specific kind of you know, it's that New York feeling that's not, you know, the Breakfast at Tiffany's New York or like it's not, you know, high society. It's, it's the blue collar. Yeah. <laughs> I like the line that Jerry Stiller, we haven't even said his name yet, yeah. that Jerry Stiller uh, has that great line where uh, he's like, you know, he asked him, like, what do you want? He was like, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. He's like, I've been yeah. working this job for blah, blah, blah. I've seen everything. He's like, somebody hijacked a train. I don't believe you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. How so how killer. crazy is it that Jerry Stiller is like basically a, a like I would say a main player in a movie, and he's like not even like the fifth or sixth top build person. Yeah, that is yeah. wild to me that he's like like not even treated as if he's like a big deal in this movie. You know what I mean? He's and just he has like a so just, many good moments. Yeah, and he's like, of course he's there because I think he probably has to deliver the most shtick. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like his character feels pretty complete for what it's worth oh, yeah. like he, he's not just a shtick machine i, mm-hmm. I enjoy uh, and he also has that great line later when uh, uh garber heads up to the street and then uh blue is talking to him and he's like where's garber and he's just like even great men have to pee yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> such a good oh yeah mm, and, but it, it keeps butter. It keeps the shtick small enough to where he still feels like a real person because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I know people who are just naturally funny and would say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it never to... it never outpaces the movie's level of like overall humor and tone. Mm-hmm. He has the great line, too, where he says, like, I think I figured out how they're going to get out of there. And he says it's so straight. And uh, Garber is just like, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, they're going to uh, click their heels together three times and say there's no place like home. And then uh, Garber just goes, you're a sick man. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the closest it comes to shtick. Because yeah. it's, like it's like a little much where it's like, Garber probably wouldn't put up with that wasting of time. But he respected a good joke. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. is so good. Uh, the other thing I love about this movie is that if you ask me at any point in time, other than in the if I've watched it in the last seven days, I would swear on a Bible that there was a train crash in the movie. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. But they never actually show the crash. Right. Like we There's only a show car crash. The, right. But I mean, but the train crash we only see from like inside. Like we never get the like external, um, you know, like wide shot of a train colliding yeah, yeah. into something else. Like it's all done with like just tricks and effects, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the Tony Scott one, there's a uh, there's a an offensive amount of trains that are moving at a regular speed like this. I'm gonna recreate it with my iPad here. <laughs> Yeah, 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 so yeah. It creates the illusion of the train uh, still being at a standstill while the cameraman, uh, you know, while the camera's being operated by a late stage Muhammad Ali. It is like, <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. But uh, no, I think you're right. There's there's really no, uh, you know, we don't see a train crash. We do see the tr- the, the money flip in the in the car. Yeah. Right. And in the Tony Scott version, like 
four vehicles transferring yeah. money crash on the way <laughs> yeah. to the to the drop. It's unreal. It is. And there's like an on-screen clock. It's you know, it's the most Tony Scott thing. But it was one where I'm watching. I'm like, okay. I was like cooking dinner while I watched. I was like, that's the part where the car flips. Like, yeah. Oh, and then the motorcycle crashes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then a, a taxi flips. Like yeah. it kept going. It was it was very hot rod for a second. That's really funny. Uh, but I watched the because uh, I have the Kino Lorber Blu-ray uh, I as well. This is like one of those movies where like I saw it and within a week I was like, oh, Kino Lorber's having a sale. Buying that. Yeah. Like um, instant buy. So I watched There's an interview with the editor of the movie on there. Um, and it's like 20 minutes or whatever. And the editor also seems like he could be a character in this movie because he's kind of like, you know, he's older now. But he's definitely like he has that sort of uh, work a day. Um, yeah, this yeah, like yeah. tone in his voice, and and what's really interesting is he was talking about the way that they had to like do the optical, like in camera effect, basically of making a single train go really fast because the way that subway trains work, which I did not know before, this guy was explaining it, is that if you have one sub, like they each have an engine, so like one subway car can really only go like ten, maybe fifteen miles an hour on its own, but when you put two of them, then you can get them up to like twenty or thirty miles an hour. And oh, then, really? like, the more trains you have, the more engine power you also have. So it's not that. like, yeah, it's not one one car pulling everything. They're all moving forward together. Um, See, I always subscribe to the, like, old-timey train of the engine and the caboose. And right. the engine just pulls everything. Right. But I guess it would stand to reason that that's extremely outdated. Especially since my knowledge of it is based entirely in Hill Valley, 1885. <laughs> so that's like, okay. I know the color of the log also determines speed. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 You're a sick but, man, Silverstein. You're a uh, sick man. <laughs> but to get the uh, the single car looking like it's going, you know, sixty or seventy miles an hour, they yeah. had to fake that all. But they had to do it in such a way where you couldn't. They had to speed up the film like physically without having the people inside move so that it wouldn't mm. look like they were in, in fast motion. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like... The that, super fly problem. Right, right. And I feel like that speed cranking is something I appreciate more now than I did when I was younger because it, it always stands out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I think I'd now prefer that over CGI. Like, we watched The French Connection recently. Mm. And, like, there's a couple scenes in that chase that are, like, clearly speed ramped. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. you know what, like... I just have to go with it because it just it looks better than if they went back and put a CGI car and people yeah. in there, like yeah. you know, which obviously it takes wasn't you possible. Out of the so, reality, but, less. right? Yeah, because it's so. still because it, once again, it's still uh, it's still footage of a real thing moving, yes. yeah, as opposed to faked footage of a thing, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think also... here they have the uh, the advantage of the tunnel being like a enclosed space, so there's nothing else around it in motion, so like they can. Yeah the faking it actually looks really good because everything else is actually still. Yeah. It does actually work very well in this movie, but it's also like, uh, it's just like, like with, um, animation or comics, right? There's like agreed upon visual language that works for us to communicate ideas properly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that like speed ramping is actually one of those things where it's like that we, that's been a, a longstanding enough tradition in like action cinema that I think we do as viewers kind of all agree that, that is speed. When I see that, I understand this to be happening quickly and fast. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And so it's like, an I, and I like that better, like you said, than animating a car to look like it's actually going that fat, that 
my my brain actually does not understand that as a visual cue for fast, right? Right. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Light the man on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me check um, my note here because I took a lot of notes for this. Oh, I will say that I I really did enjoy the fact that almost every line that Walter Matthau puts forward ends in "Will ya?" He's <laughs> like, "Can we do this, will ya?" And he actually quite literally tells two people to shad app. Yeah. He doesn't was, say shut up. He's like, will you shut up for a second? Will ya? I was going to say, I don't know that I uh, uh, I always fully agree with what I'm about to say, but like, you know, lately it feels like I definitely agree with what I'm about to say, which is just like the the character that works with Walter Matthau, the guy that's always complaining about what Matthau is doing and how it's preventing him from doing his job. He very much has like a conservative worldview throughout the movie. He like at one point is like complaining about like taxpayer money and where it's, oh, where yeah, it's going yeah. and stuff as a result Before of this. Before I ever negotiate with some bum yeah. yeah. And yeah. in the midst of uh, the crisis we're having right now, it feels like Walter Matthau uh, handles a person like that exactly as right now I feel like people should, which is simply to tell them to shut up every single time they speak. <laughs> yes. You know, when he grabs him by the lapel yeah. and, and gives him the talking to him, basically says like, I'll yep. make sure you're, uh, you know, you're as dead as uh, the guy who got shot at the beginning. Right. Yeah. Um, which that was a little bit hilarious because that guy yes. was so mad, and <laughs> so out of his depth and he knew it and he didn't care. And he just got machine gunned up. Yes. But when, uh, when Garber picks up yeah. uh, his coworker there, and throws him down, and the guy gives him that, that and that's that was legitimately scary. And oh, yeah. it felt very real. I was like, man, yep. that, especially because the fall was really done well, and the way he yep. looked at him was well. And then I love that they immediately punctuated with humor, because it's a smash cut, because he was asking him to turn the power grid back on. Yeah. And he was like, I'll never do anything for the man that killed uh, you yeah. know, yeah. or whatever his name was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he does that whole thing, throws him down, smash cut to the train, dark, bzz, lights immediately yep. come on. Yep. And it was just such clean storytelling, and it was a great emotional arc of just, man, Garber's pissed, yep. man, he is not going to, you know, he is asserting process fucking hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yep. it worked. <laughs> yeah. Know, boom. Lights go on. Beautiful. That was, I, oh. I do I, love I that. I can't tell you how much I fucking love this movie. This oh, is like. Oh, no, I know. I think I, this cracked my top five. It is so good. It's, it's so good. It's been ages since I watched a movie twice in a row. Last one was uh, Christine. Oh, uh, yes. Car, not Okay. And, uh, which also was very good. But uh, yeah, I couldn't think of a better way to say it. I understood exactly what you no, meant. No, I know exactly what you meant. I actually have a toy gun downstairs in my work office that makes pew, pew noises, and I pretend to shoot my computer if I'm mad at work. And I'm just regretting that I didn't bring that upstairs because that would have been awesome. It's a Jurassic Park gun that I stole out of Jenna's childhood bedroom. <laughs> is, yeah, is that so the, many details? Is that the one that you used to threaten Carol Baskin on Instagram? That is the one I used to okay. threaten Carol Baskin on. Is that bitch Carol Baskin? <laughs> you know, though, I love. Are you guys familiar with the funeral dance meme that's yeah. been going around? Uh, I'm not, but I'm sure I can it, follow along. It's. Well, it's just like it's these guys dancing with a coffin. And so a new meme has erupted where it's somebody doing something and then they like fall over and eat it. And then it smash cuts to the guys dancing. And it took like the Internet by storm. And I said, there's out there somewhere. There's just a random anonymous dead guy who dethroned Joe Exotic as the <laughs> guy uh, who was like the savior of quarantine. And I'm OK with it. Yeah, I'm OK with it because Joe Exotic is entertaining man. But peace. Shit. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about before all that? Um, yeah, but I think the combination of 
like the you know the, the action the process the humor the pacing of this like this is almost the ultimate dad movie yeah like yeah. like the like because uh garber is definitely the jack ryan of the transit police uh-huh. you know where he's just a regular guy doing a job he's done the work he does he's done the homework he knows he he has to communicate what the right call is to the people who can actually enforce those decisions yeah, yeah. um and like dads also, love jack that shit. Ryan, if th- this is jack ryan in that movie ready get off my train it's funny because no it's it's good it's just it's just funny because in my head jack ryan is alec baldwin so it just took me a minute to like i actually register i was gonna follow all that up with the question oh yeah he did play jack Ryan. right he played him more more than anyone else did i know right he played twice, one right? more than everyone else. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I, except for Krasinski, who's up to probably like seventy. Right. I don't know. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Those know. movies are okay. Actually, I, Baldwin is probably my Jack Ryan. Yeah. They they put out a 4K of that, and it's a steel book, so I I might have to upgrade. Ooh. Ooh. <sighs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, I this is a movie. It, it's this is Dan. To your point, this is one of those movies I could watch like every week for a long time before i was like yeah mm-hmm. maybe something else yeah yeah i felt that way because I, I had it on i watched it and then i was like oh I, I think i really need to watch that again because it like really worked for me pretty hard and so then i just put it on because i did the i did the dreaded itunes rental where i spent 3.99 to to rent it and then about 10 minutes into it i was like i should have paid the 15 dollars to own this oh yeah because i'm yeah. gonna watch this a lot yeah and um uh, Alas, mistakes were made, and we all moved forward. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, this and so knowing that I had to like get it in again, it became my like. All right, it's lunchtime. I gotta, I gotta get more in. And, that that like, was I your was Tony Scott to ticking clock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. It came in, and then I was just like, all right, I can watch it one more time. And then as I turned, my nose like knocked the numbers <laughs> off screen. <laughs> the, yeah, that happens like. Oh, I don't know, sixty times in the remake, <laughs> and it was, uh, yeah. It, and my internet was being wonky, so the remake kept like glitching out, and I couldn't tell if it was the glitch or right. if it was Tony Scott uh, directing Flair. the movie. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I'm gonna. My headphones just gave me the low battery noise. Yeah, so I'm gonna switch to the other ones, but I'll be mindful about the noise. All right, sounds okay. good. Switch it over. Yeah, I mean, I to me, like, I think like. Dan, there were two things we talked about that I wanted to bring up that I think both contribute to this being like so entertaining and why it's like feels so watchable. Mm-hmm. Uh, one right, is I'm that lose you for half a second. You got it. Uh, it's all right. I'll, I can uh, edit. I can hear you now. So the two Perfect. things we talked about. Yeah. So one of them is just that this reminds me of Die Hard. Uh, yes. In that, like, every character in this movie is, like, a fully developed character that has, like, their own little story throughout the movie. Even the very minor characters, like Jerry Stiller, there's, like, some little arc that they go on over the course of the movie that there's, like, some sort of fulfillment to by the end. Uh, and uh, and you pointed out, Dan, that, like, this is also based on a book. Die Hard is mm-hmm. based on a book. I assume that's probably why these movies feel so full of life and so complete because 
they come from the you know from novels that I would expect uh, probably develop a lot of these things more than the movie necessarily does. Oh yeah, but, but the fact that they I, make the leap from the novel to the movie is a credit to the screenplay because that's a choice. Because there's yeah. I'm sure there's other examples where there's been books adapted into movies and they you know combine characters or drop characters yeah. or just do light characterization on the supporting stuff. Yeah. But I think. Um, not having read either book, honestly, yeah, I think either. they both do a great job of using supporting characters and giving them their own stories as a way to uh, have tension in the movie come from a few different directions and a few different situations yeah. while also adding to the um, like the realness of the world that like this is a world full of real people, not just a bunch of people, not just a bunch of stock characters on a train. Yeah. I think that uh, one of the things that allows uh, books like, like uh, was it Nothing Lasts Forever is the Die Hard one? And, I can't uh, remember, yeah. Taking like one, two, uh, the by, the Taking of Nakatomi Plaza. Roderick <laughs> Thorpe. What a great name. Yeah. Roderick Thorpe. What was the uh, the author's name, the fake author in um, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? Do you remember? Michelle Monahan read all the novels. Well, either way, uh, one of the things that, that is... T- typically tough to translate from a novel is specifically process because in a novel they can describe what they're doing what are the motions that they're going through and it's compelling whereas in a film that doesn't always work where it's just you either have to cut that entirely because you can't just show pure process or you know you you mistakenly put too much process and you're just like I'm, I'm literally watching someone write you know and so <laughs> it's I think this was just probably a great choice of material to adapt once again i you know as well have not read the novel but this is a you know a lot of this movie is footage of people counting money stacking money moving from a to b and just kind of talking while they do it and that's something that's that's easily done in text you know just as garber approached the blah 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 he stated to and so i think that's why die hard and this translate is because they're both pretty plot heavy yeah but since there's no at least not until the last act of Die Hard, since not a lot of like actual, you know, movement of objects happens. It's just people moving concepts with their mouths. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it just translates well to film. And yeah. it's exactly the process that, that bridges that gap. I really didn't think of Die Hard, but I thought a lot about David Fincher watching the movie this time, because he's a director that does that really well, whether it's Panic Room or Social Network or Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Like, he's good at showing people like processing ideas and then Mm. acting on those ideas and stringing along of like, Oh, I have this piece of information and then this thing is over here. And then if I put those two things together, that means I should do this next. Like Mm -hmm. he's really good at showing that. And I think this movie like is, you know, fits with that kind of idea really well. You know, movie I thought of a lot while I was watching it. Have you ever seen inside man? I have not, but that makes sense to me actually. Yeah. Yeah. Inside man is like a really sprawling, uh, kind of heist thriller spike lee did it Uh, it, it's absolutely fantastic that is like one of my favorite movies but it's one where it's just people making deals making calls you know negotiating with with criminals and just trying to put the pieces in place and uh, whereas i think it's more of a sprawling tale than something like pelham one two three which is somewhat contained Mm -hmm. um you know it's not citywide or anything this one's much bigger but it's the same idea where like part of the movie's appeal is that it's sort of like teaching you how to watch it as you watch it. Yeah. Right, and and right. so when it finally comes together, you realize like all of these pieces were, you know, set them up, knock them down. And so it reminded me of inside man in that regard. And Garrett, since you haven't seen that, 
That's yeah. one that I think we should totally do. Oh, I would love to. On because yeah. that movie rocks. Yeah. It's, I've heard it's, great things yeah, about that. Clive Owen, Jodie Foster. Yep. It's awesome. Would love uh, to. Quick inside man question, Dan. How many bridges are in that movie? And are there more or less than 21? Oh, man. That's a really good question. <laughs> Which I got to say, first off, I do recommend 21 Bridges. That movie's not high art, but it's really fun. And they do use the term Avenger in, like, the first line. Um, they're just playing that game. But um, that movie, if, I if think If I can't probably... close these bridges, I'm going to damn sure going to avenge them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's because uh, uh, Chadwick Boseman's dad is deceased at the outset, and he was, like, a cop. And they're like, your dad was an Avenger for this city. And then it's just like, okay. Yeah. And then... um. No, but uh, that movie, I think, maxes out at, like, maybe, like, 13, 14 bridges. Pretty good performance for a movie that's 21. Inside uh-huh. Man, I think, might have two to three, if any at all. Uh-huh. Okay. So sure. whether that changes your metric. But there is a part where somebody says this line, and I quote to, Ju- to Jodie Foster. He goes, you know, whatever your character's name is, you really are a marvelous cunt. <laughs> it's wild and i remember seeing that when i was like because that came out when i was in my early 20s and there was a moment where in the theater everyone just did like a <laughs> it was just one of the and so it always stuck with me like man they wrote that they cut that they printed that and it worked <laughs> but, I, but yeah this made me think of inside man structurally script wise yeah. And in terms of of uh, expositional uh, economy, it really mm-hmm. moves like that. That that totally makes sense to me. Like I'm I'm gonna save some of my comparisons for for our list because that's where a lot of my comparisons are. A lot of the things I put on my list for process movies were just things I thought of while watching this. Same, like and you can take Inside kind of Man off of. my list. I got to rework it because that's where I pulled it. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> That's literally the first thing I thought of, like, right off the bat when the movie yeah. started. I was like, oh, okay, this is a... You know what else it made me think of? And this movie's not on my list. Have you seen The Negotiator? No. no the I'm, Negotiator's another one. It's it's uh, Sam Jackson and uh, Voldemort. No, uh, sorry, Kevin Spacey and uh, Sam Jackson. <laughs> I was like, Jackson. Ray Fiennes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just talking about him being a fucking creep. Yeah. Um, it's that's a... Yeah, it, but it's a great movie. Voldemort only killed people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true. He's yeah. We can name Voldemort. We won't name uh uh. We'll call him a uh, pre plumber, and uh, he's a no. But uh, Sam Jackson's a hostage negotiator, and he gets involved in something where suddenly he's got to take some hostages to prove his own innocence. Ah. it's wild. It's written by the guy who was the mastermind behind the Purge movies. Mm. Um. And yeah, and so I don't I don't remember if it's any good, but it's the same kind of thing where like, and so Kevin Spacey plays the new negotiator brought in to negotiate the negotiator, <laughs> and uh, but it's one where like Inside Man and like Pelham One Two Three and and even like um uh, Dog Day Afternoon where it's you know every time that we learn something new about the plan, we also learn an escalation about the story behind the plan. Yeah. And whereas the lens pulls back, we start to understand everyone's motivations more. I guess what I'm saying is they're good plot heavy movies that are still character based. Yeah. Right. I, like I, Die I would... Hard with a Vengeance. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, this reminds me a lot of Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny in the same way, too, mm-hmm. because uh, a lot of the issues of Die Hard with a Vengeance are issues with bureaucracy and issues with people having an attitude uh, based entirely around whatever city they're proud to be part of. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. I, Even Die I Hard 2 has Dennis Franz's character. He's straight uh-huh. from this movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, yes. 
Um, I forgot what I was going to say. So, oh, I'm no, sorry. Okay. I'm <laughs> no, it's sorry. okay. Uh, well, so one of the other things that I, I think makes this movie like work so well and it, like why it's so entertaining, I, I on Letterbox I compared it to, of all things, uh, the Phantom Menace. Because uh, the Phantom Menace is one of my favorite examples of like I know four, exactly what you're gonna say. <laughs> just like four or five different sort of action plots all happening at the same time and just kind of cutting from one to the next to the next to the next back and forth. This whole this is that for two hours. Yeah. This movie yep. just is that for two straight hours, constantly editing between like four or five different settings and pockets of people that are all sort of involved in the same larger scheme. But they each sort of have their own process working component of that scheme that they're trying to deliver on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and there is I would say there's a I can't remember exactly what it is, but like maybe an hour into this movie, there is like a five minute sequence that truly is just montage that is just like bouncing between all of these things that are happening, like on the subway car in Mm -hmm. Garber's like control room down in that other control room where we see them watching like the map, like the board yep. of the blinking yeah, light. Yeah. Uh, Rico. Yeah. Yep. Rico. Um, and it just, it very much reminds me of that. Like George Lucas sort of like cutting back and forth continually between all of these like set pieces. I Dude, love rewatching that. the Phantom Menace. That was the one thing that stuck out. I was like, man, yeah. this movie's strange, but like, Really, really arranged nicely at the end when there's world shaking battles happening. Dude, that last half hour fucking rips. It's, it's like so totally cool, really yeah. great. Yeah, it's good. I really love Phantom Menace. It's yeah. it's my favorite of the prequels for sure. I, I, I would agree. agree. I would yeah. agree. It's, uh, it's, I was watching World's End with Jenna the other day, and there's a part where Jack Sparrow and another guy are fighting on the mast of a ship while stuff's going on, and then it cuts away from their sword fight for like 15 minutes because that movie's 10 days long, <laughs> and then it cuts back to their sword fight still in process. Yeah. And are we to believe they've just been pa 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 for 15 <laughs> minutes? Right. And and. Uh, Jenna said out loud because we both kind of silently had that thing and she goes whenever they cut away I like to think of it as a pause and I was like <laughs> yeah you know you're right I think you're very right about that and then but you're right about this movie is that the yeah. cutaways are not pauses right they really juggle all of the spinning yeah. plates in yeah. time in pace yeah. in a way that uh, I, I remember Argo had a problem with that mm-hmm. and you know that's mm-hmm. the best and that's a great movie yeah, uh, yeah. You know, that's the best picture winner and this is just some like you know schlubby picture with the cult following <laughs> and it really works that aspect so smoothly it, it does it's like and it, it to, to you were saying earlier Ryan that you uh, there's like an interview with the editor on the blu-ray I want to watch that because like that is one of those things where it's like that is a feat of editing like anytime yeah. you get a movie like this that is this well that juggles this many things this well and like kind of keeps pace with all of those things. And, and as you were saying, Dan, like it doesn't feel like there's a pause happening between them. It feels fluid. That is like, to me, that's like a miracle of editing. And, and it is the thing that like George Lucas is so good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, it, it's sort of like juggling those kind of plot lines and editing them together. So I will say that's the reason I wanted to, I watched that interview. He does yeah. not talk about that at all. Oh, really? Yeah. He mostly yeah. talks about how the director wasn't really involved in the editing process because they were just shooting so much footage Whoa. for the movie for so long. And they did had to do reshoots for a couple of reasons. So he mostly talks about how through like no ill intent that the director was yeah. kind of like hands off until very late in the editing process. And yeah. it was just a challenge to assemble all of the footage together, but he doesn't really, I was hoping he was going to get into yeah. like the timing and the rhythm and all that kind of stuff, but he doesn't yeah. really talk about that. Still a really fun interview. And it's like short enough to, you know, throw on and enjoy because DVD special features are a thing that are 
disappearing. I know, I miss them. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so that's what still, still I, check it out. Sh- but don't don't set your expectations too <laughs> yeah, high yeah, for yeah, getting yeah. for getting all that detail. I would love to hear it though. I, that would be very cool. I think we should talk a little bit about the music. Oh my God! Um, yeah, David this Shire. Score, yeah, uh, and also uh, did the conversation. The conversation, movie, movie which favorite. is another one of my favorite scores. Yeah. This is one of those. And uh, when I was watching this movie, anytime that they'd be like, "All right, let's count the money," and it would just get into that like, just watching, you're like, "Ooh, ooh, oh, it's so good!" And anytime it kicks in, like, because it legitimately has a theme, yeah, you know, and and so it kicks in for that. But even throughout like the movie, part of what keeps just the you know the bureaucracy of the day moving forward, even in not intense scenes, I, I feel like the hi hat's still working. I could be wrong, but it's just like it always has that movement yeah. that everybody's going. Oh, I it just has that you know going to work, going to work. They nailed that without it becoming repetitive. And that was another one. When I finished watching a movie a second time, I was still at work. So I started listening to the score because it yep. just gets you moving. Yeah, the oh, score it's is delightful. great. And it, and it is like um, Shire did a similar thing with the conversation where the, the score itself is just variations on that one theme, basically. Mm-hmm. It's just like a lot of variations on that theme. And that theme is like, um, I am so bad at music theory. I don't have the right words for this. But it's like one of those things where it like, it rises and then never quite resolves. It sort yeah, of starts yeah, yeah. again before reaching a, revo- a resolution. Right. And it gives it that feeling of just sort of like sort of continuous tension. You know what I mean? I there, think there. the uh, the musical theory term for that is a. It's it's like the uh, the Dunkirk uh, score does oh, that really well. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. The, the clock that's just never going to stop ticking, but it's always counting down. Well, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's Dunkirk that also has the thing where it's just like, it has like a chord or whatever that does it like, and like, it just like, it like starts somehow starts again without ever finishing and like right. does that sort of, it, it's like, you're constantly like going up a staircase. Yeah. yeah. Like sonically. Uh, I had an, an app once when I first got my iPad and it was just downloading all the apps. And one of them was like a, a sound museum app. And it had a thing where, like, you work your finger around this dial, and it sounds like the tone is always rising, like, and because it's two tones layered where one's going down, it never resolved. And so I think how that's done is by having two conflicting tones not resolve in opposite of one another, so that one is constantly, you know, like, mediating the other. Right. And it was it was fascinating to see visualized, but I think that's what you're talking about in Dunkirk, where it just, yeah, yeah ooh, so good. I'm pulling up uh, David Shire to see what else he did. If there's anything Zodiac, of course he did. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. that was that was one of the movies I was choosing not to bring up because I assumed it would be on all of our process lists when it you is. brought up David Fincher, uh, uh, Ryan. Uh, I mean that, I do think that is one of the great examples of a process movie. Yeah, I didn't name that movie in my list of David Fincher movies specifically <laughs> because of that. Uh, yes, yeah. Even though all um, of his movies are, are actually great examples of process movies. Yes, but. they are. Yeah. Well, he has he has songs in movies. I don't know if he necessarily did Zodiac. Um, sure. Hang on. I want to check that before. Uh, but he has like, he has a writing credit on The Outsider. Oh, really? Yeah. His, uh, that's wild. So uh, let's see. Letterboxd lists, lists him as the composer for Zodiac. For yeah, all there it is. Men. Uh, for Return to Oz. Men as well. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, 
He's the conductor slash orchestrator for Monkey Shines. <laughs> Man, that movie rules. I've never seen that. Yeah, me either. Care Bears movie. Oh, you got to see Monkey Shines. I think Roger Ebert said something to the effect of, like, in this two-hour movie, there's a 90-minute masterpiece. Uh-huh. And I think that says it right, <laughs> but that movie is fucking, like, bonkers. Yeah, it's really, it. And it was written, uh, to, to misquote Patton Oswalt, it was written during George Romero's Bottle of Vodka Day era. <laughs> and uh yeah it's it's pretty nuts <laughs> so yeah shire's got a pretty solid uh he did 2010 which is a respectable sequel to 2001 oh yeah i gotta watch that soon um because i've never actually seen that but it's on uh, the tcm app right now it's definitely worth watching it's you know i mean it's of course you're never going to clear the hurdle set by 2001 but right. i mean the fact that the director of sudden death and end of days and stay tuned came pretty <laughs> damn close is pretty good. I mean, and Capricorn one, to be fair. I mean, and you get you get Shider in there. Like, I, I could I could watch Shider pretty much do anything, especially after watching Jaws two for the first time recently. Oh man, Jaws two, that one is uh kind of delightful. I don't know. It's like it's fun, but it's bad. Like yeah, it's not good, yeah. but it's because it does the thing where like he has PTSD from the first one, and he's like obsessed mm-hmm. with shark attacks, but also he's right because there is another shark. So like. It's never like, oh, you need to resolve your feelings about this and move on. It's like, no, your paranoia is actually correct. There is another shark that's eating people. Off yeah, the you're validated. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. that's that's not an arc. <laughs> that's just like confirmation of like, oh, yes, you're paranoid. Right. You're, you bought those guns for a good reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, before we wrap it up on Pelham 123, yeah. one of the things that, that I thought was that I would like to talk about is it's really good at, at mediating our sympathies. And the best example that I can think of for this is Mr. Green. He's the sneezer. Yeah. Um, you know, being the, the only one who gets away at the end. Throughout that whole thing, even though people are dying and even though he is party to this crime and, and thus, you know, guilty of all its worst excesses, uh, I still do feel for him. He seems mm-hmm. like the most pathetic out of them. Mm-hmm. And then right before he gets caught, by the very sneeze, uh, right before he gets caught when he's rolling around on the bed with money, my sympathies disappear entirely. The way he gleefully rolls around in the cash, and I think that's purposeful, because there was a piece of me when he got away where I was like, yeah, you know, he really fucked up here, but I don't get the sense that he's a bad guy. Maybe it would be cool to see him get away with the money. And then as soon as he's rolling around in the bed with it, and the way his demeanor, he even looks different without the mustache, but the way Mm -hmm. his demeanor changes... He's suddenly not pathetic anymore, and suddenly you realize, like, no, he's just as greedy as these other guys. Mm-hmm. And even though I felt that patheticism, he, ne- I, I suddenly went from maybe it would be cool if he got away to he needs to be caught. And I love that the movie, of course, then ends on motherfucker got caught. Yeah, and I think that happens to a few characters. Well, and also like as an audience, we we like a good story, right? And so like with him specifically, he. It's not that he's sympathetic, but I, but I'm with you. Like I I, I was like I, I kind of liked the idea that he was going to get away with it, right? Because it's like yes, yeah. that's a good story, like for that character in particular, right? That like he he a little bit has my sympathy because he was not into anybody dying. Like we kind of get the impression that he didn't want to see anybody get hurt. He really mm. just wanted the money, 
We know he it got seems fired. that he was done an injustice at his exactly, job, right. potentially. Yep. Although yep. by the end, I do think that maybe he was probably guilty of what he was accused of. Agreed, agreed. And but so the movie does this very nice like combination of things that earn us something resembling sympathy, but mostly just that like we like that idea of a good story where it's like he he and also that he gets away with it. That's kind of clever, right? It's like there's something clever about him ending up being the one that gets away. There's some there's some sort of interesting thing about that. Like the real criminals all got what they deserved and he kind of got away with it. And so, yeah, then you get that final moment of him rolling in the bed of the money and it just cuts all of that away. And I love that the script is like working so hard to get to the point where when he does get away with the money, we do kind of go like, yeah, okay. Kind yeah. of all the guys yeah, to get yeah. away with it. Right. I mean, right. It works really hard to get us there and then just undercut all of it in a scene. It's like, I oh, love yeah. that. That's great. And in a scene that is also another deviation from process, where yeah, it's yeah. like process is this guy's going to come in, he's going to take a look at my apartment, he's going to go away. Yeah. Oh, shit, there's a piece of money out from under the bed. Yes. Got to kick it under. Oh, he needs to light his cigarette at the stove. Yes. I got to work this. Yeah. And he's trying to do. And meanwhile, this is uh, also a deviation for Matthew and, uh, and Rico, because yeah. uh, the first couple people, as we understand, the legless guy and other people that weren't shown, it was just they're going through the motions of interviewing these guys. Yeah. But this one, thumbs up about this one. Yeah, I loved. Oh. Well, and it's also, by the way, like really the reason he gets caught is not necessarily because of his cold. It's because he takes the second to realize that he won and he does have some power. And now he's going to use that power to lecture them about right. yep. how this is yep. an injustice. And yep. that's ultimately what gets him caught. Yep, it's, that's it's, true. It's taking I didn't even think of that. That's true. That, like dig his heels in the shit that like he not only did he win it's like him being drunk on the power of the win but also the injustice that's being done by the system to you know what i mean like yeah. he works himself up into the i have this opportunity i'm gonna take it to complain and that's what gets him caught he has that great line too where he was just like you know why would you kid robin a robin a train what do you think i am some kind of jerk yeah 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 I love that. I love that line, yeah. Because I love that everybody, when they first hear that a train is being that that somebody hijacked a train, they're incredulous because it's like, yeah. what, is, what a terrible idea. Who would right. do that? Yeah, you yeah. can't so go terrible. anywhere. Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah. So I want to talk about that really quick too. Is is the in particular uh, uh, Mr. Blue's demise? Uh, because every time I watch this, it's a I, little goofy. It's a little goofy, yeah. and it's not that the act itself is goofy. I kind of dig. The actual thing that happens and the way it's depicted, like the practical effect and stuff. Oh, I love but, the the smoke coming out of his yeah. neck area, but it's off camera. That was mm. love it. But it's really I feel like all the trouble that he goes to and all of the dangerous situations he puts himself in over the course of the movie to then be in an otherwise empty subway tunnel approximately 12 feet away from one man. It just seemed crazy to me that he was like, this is it. This is inescapable. I finally hit the wall with this. I'm going to change your mind. I'm going to yeah, change okay. your mind because yeah. the first time I watched it, I had that same thought yeah. where I was like, he's given up now. But the second time it resonated, two things resonated more. One, yeah. the fact that he was a fatalist about the whole thing. Yes. He yeah. was either going to succeed or he was going to die. Right. He had made that choice forever ago and expressed it multiple times. Right. But he knew that that was Garber. And when right. he saw Garber after his whole experience with him, he was like, I'm not going to get away from this guy. Yeah. This guy knows this place better than I ever will. And oh, since I'm okay with dying, 
I yeah. choose to die on my own terms rather than him because in my fucked up head, that's a win. Yeah. And, and the second time that worked a lot better. Yeah. I do think that like just the entire device of how it's done yeah. still comes off as goofy. It's but in terms funny. of his motivation, I yeah. like to read I that. that. Yeah. I prefer to read it as he respects Garber because Garber Garber not only got the job done from his place of you know, Garber showed up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's there now and it's like if if he could stop me from blocks away and now he's ten feet away, I, I'm not gonna beat this guy. He's right, better. Yeah. Yeah. His process is better. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. It's it made me laugh every every time I watch it, it makes me laugh where I'm like, yeah. Yeah. what? This is what you think you can't get out of? Look at what what look at what you've accomplished. <laughs> That's Walter tired, Matt man. now. He's old, he's gonna like he's gonna uh he's gonna have an asthma attack if he tries yeah. to run. Like he's a grumpy old man. Yeah. Yeah, apparently from that one scene that he had to shoot in the in the actual subway tunnel, uh, Robert Matthau got a cold so bad they had to delay production because he lost his voice. Oh, because there's just he he has a great quote. Uh, it's on the Wikipedia page about shooting the movie where he's like, "Yeah, there's like bugs down there and like bacteria that have not been identified by science. <laughs> like, he's like, it is." disgusting and insane and i cannot believe that so much of this crew had to be down there for that long <laughs> yeah yeah that's wild yeah. it makes sense i imagine there's plenty of things down on the subways that are creepy like yeah. crocodile people uh-huh. and other such horrors yeah yeah uh, uh to, to your point earlier about this being like a glorified new york this is uh or like a romanticized new york that's a better word uh this is definitely not the new york featured in either ninja turtles or, Fr- or uh, friday the 13th part Eight, Eight. Jason takes Manhattan. <laughs> That's the scary New York. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, the, it's not weirdly, the Scorsese New York. Like this is the Scorsese New York, but it's right. not Scorsese's version of New York. You know. Yeah. Right. It it's almost like the uh, the Ninja Turtles uh, version is closer to the Warriors New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but but like in a way, it almost works that like that would be this New York at night. Whereas yeah, like yeah. this movie takes place mostly during the day. If you want to really That's like true. get yeah. to it, like. Um, I also think ultimately what that gives this movie is a bit of a timeless quality. I yeah. think if the subway was covered in graffiti, mm-hmm. you would only know this movie. Like this movie would, o- you could only read this movie as taking place in this particular time in New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? It right. would give it a specific year time yeah. as opposed to like the feel time that we have. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Everyone's like, I, I, yeah, this is a pre Giuliani. Yeah, because like this movie to me is one of those movies that like wholesale, this movie totally works. You could, I, I don't think this is one of those movies that feels old or look, you don't feel the pain, mm-hmm. you know, you're not right. like waiting for it to pick up or any. I mean, this movie just works wholesale, you know what yep. I mean? Um, and uh, I don't know, I, I think it has that like timeless quality and, and uh, you know, it's interesting that certain things like, like, Dan, we talk about this all the time, a limitation like, no, no, please don't don't show any of the graffiti probably actually lends itself. That actually gives this movie some of that. It helps the movie that it has. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you pulled up that factoid, Ryan. That's yeah. super interesting. And it's like, that really is something that I, it didn't even occur to me that there was no graffiti. Yeah. Me neither. It still felt like New York, but yeah, the graffiti would have changed things. Yeah. There yeah, is I, one line. Oh no, go for it. I was going to say like, it definitely would stick out more in, you know, 1973 that it does in 2020 for sure. sure. Yeah. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like I think if I was watching that movie contemporaneously, I'd be like, I might have noticed. Yeah. I'd be like, eh, like, ah, oh, it's a movie, like whatever. Uh, but now I think you're right. I think it, it has allowed the movie to age that much more gracefully. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is one line that's sort of, I mean, I, I don't know if they actually specifically say the year, but there's one line that sort of puts it in a place in time. And it's when the mayor, after his wife essentially makes the decision for him yeah. by just, you know, psychoanalyzing him and coaxing him into it by <laughs> talking about voters. He's like sitting there all sick and he looks at her and he was like, I, I, I did the good thing, right? And she goes, yeah. yeah. You're a regular Fiorello LaGuardia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, so yeah. good. <laughs> it's so good. But the thing is, like, I think that would still work. I think that would still work today because yeah, that's true. Because he is the when you think mayor, right? Yeah, that's yeah. the you one. Know, it's it's him. It's the mayor from Jaws and the mayor from Ghostbusters, <laughs> and, and two of those didn't exist yet. <laughs> <laughs> Never compare me to the mayor. That's so funny, that's man. I wish we got another one of them Ghostbusters. Oh, me too. It's yeah. so good. I love that. Yeah, because <laughs> as far as the job of being a mayor goes. Yeah. I mean, he fucking, he shit the bed. That was, that's it. That's it. Also, RIP to that lady whose uh, son died because the beaches were open. Yeah, I forget yeah. the actress's name, but she... The, uh, the Kittner uh, uh, mother, right? Yeah. yeah. I always yeah. remember Kittner it as that boy, Kittner yeah. kid. Yeah, the yeah. Kittner boy. Yeah. Uh, uh, give all us right, a so kiss. You guys, you guys want to talk about our favorite it. process movies? Yeah, yeah, I've got to whittle this list down, but I guess I've already knocked Inside Man. Well, and yeah, I've got a bunch. I've so. got a whole bunch, and so I figured what I'll start with is just like my list. What I tried to do was think about movies because I think there's a lot of things we were talking about this earlier. For instance, heist movies. Almost any heist movie is a process movie, right? Oh. Yeah. So I tried to in in my particular list mostly get away from where the genre itself is process and tried to get into one of my favorite things is like literal actual scenes of process. Yeah, so like yeah. where Pelham one, two, three fits this great is we get those great scenes of the control board and how the control board actually works and the way they're tracking the trains and their movement underground with the control board. I love yeah, yeah. that shit. Watching people actually do an actual job and watch it on film. Uh, so oh, I, I should oh, note uh, one thing that that just reminded me of one of the clever ways that they coaxed over exposition in that movie specifically regarding like the the lights on the thing is uh, one guy would always be like now they're moving backwards and the guy would be like yeah, yeah I got eyes yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's always the thing I got eyes don't I yeah will you um, but yeah no to your point Garrett I tried to eliminate um like both that sort of heist movie thing and procedurals as much as possible. Yes. Yeah. 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 Cause that's, yep. that's the same thing where that's also a genre where the genre is the process. Yes. I would yeah. say a uh, third, I tried to consider that as well, which is, you know, why every oceans movie didn't make my list. Yeah. Right. Also, there was a piece of me that was like, Ryan's going to do oceans eight. <laughs> it's going <laughs> to happen. And uh, so we'll talk about it. And yeah. I, there's also another one that I won't spoil that I just absolutely know is on your list. But now that you gave that caveat, I feel like maybe it's not. There's mm-hmm. a couple of movies that are only not on that list because I have that caveat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. But we'll cool, see. Cool. We'll see how. But if I if I need to uh, not repeat ones, then those might become fair game. <laughs> yeah, we'll fair, as we fair. go through we'll our list. Yeah. So I'll throw one out to start because yeah, I think yeah, I have a it. good oddball one, but it should be. I think fans of our show will will maybe recognize that this would be one of my examples right away. But I chose Black Christmas because there's that great scene with the phone operator who's going from phone line oh, to phone yeah. line yeah. trying to figure out where the calls are coming from. Uh, that is one of my favorite scenes of process in a movie. It creates an action set piece in the middle of a slasher movie out of just a guy trying to you know, read a phone line. I well, love I'll, that. It's one of my favorite I'll examples. Persian entry list because I agree. That scene's awesome. 
and I didn't think of it, but I used a similar scene in the movie that we all saw at the fest last year, The Vast of Night. Oh, that was because that has great process yeah. with uh, the young lady operating the, the yes, board, and it seems—I I don't necessarily know how a board works—but it creates right. that same action urgency where there's an additional ta- uh, task to just talking to different parties. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't even think of Black Christmas. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's one of my but, favorite examples yeah. of this. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, the fir- weirdly, the first movie that came to mind for me was Boiler Room. Um, I've never seen that. Oh, it's so good. It's got a great uh, Vin Diesel performance. Um, but it, <laughs> it's the uh, the same story. Uh, it's it's the guys that were working for Jordan Belfort of Wolf of Wall oh. Street, basically. Mm. And so it's the same kind. It's it's one of their things where they were basically like uh, fraudulently selling like penny stocks to old people and making money off the transaction fees and all kinds of stuff. But it has all of that crazy, like we got to set up this business. We got to make these calls. We got to sell these stocks. Then we got to do that. Like it walks you through the process of their whole scheme. Yeah. Um, from start to finish from the, and then like the, you know, when they get caught, the whole company just like disappears, you know, like the cops run in and there's just like empty like power cords plugged into nothing. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's a great movie if if you guys haven't seen it. Well, well I, I will say to compare that, I I put The Big Short on my list. Dan, I was just going to say I hope I don't ruin say? somebody else's entry because it's not on my list, but that was going to be one of my honorable mentions. Yeah. The Big yeah. Short is a yeah. great process movie in the same way you're describing. One of the and one of the things that I really respected about The Big Short is that it found a way to exposit without kind of talking down to the audience. Yeah. And I think that's essentially why I ended up getting the script Oscar was yeah. just because a lot of movies would have seen fit to dumb it down and just layman's term it, where instead it didn't do that. And then it just kind of showed us everything in function. Mm-hmm. Thus, that's why it became a process movie for me. Yeah. But um, that that sounds to me what Boiler Room seems to be like. And I've been told yeah. Boiler Room's fantastic forever. Yeah. Um, I, I will watch it at some point. Yeah, I think I have a VHS that. somewhere from like a blockbuster yeah. double pack back <laughs> in the day because I had a dollar and, you know, didn't didn't realize that my nascent love for all things family was a brewing. Yeah. But it probably it probably <laughs> drew me to that purchase before I knew. Dan, I'm yeah. glad you brought the big short up uh, in regards to this, because like I thought of that one, too. And I feel like that movie has become like a little bit popular to kind of poop on now. And I, I kind of really liked really? that movie. No, I, I like so. that movie. The big short is great. It's the movies that try to be the big short that have come yeah. after that are fucking terrible. Yeah. 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 I guess like, that's what Bombshell it is. Is also yeah. like tries to do the big short. Or Vice. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I liked I, Vice well enough. That was I fine. Did, I, I did not actually see Vice because I was like, Me I just either. based on the trailer, I was like, I just. I, I can't. I don't have a good, re- good enough reason to force myself to sit through this movie. I will give you one reason that I think is actually because it is. I mean, it's it's an entertaining movie. It's yeah. it it fails at being the Big Short, and it clearly wants to be the Big Short. But Christian Bale's performance is unbelievable, like unfucking believable. Good. Does he play the drums though? <laughs> no, he doesn't. Uh, but I, I believe Sam Rockwell's George Bush comes close because he's just like a rock and roller. But uh, you know, but I, that's a movie you can miss. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I quite like The Big Short, and I realized doing this list that this was probably why I like The Big Short as much as I do, mm-hmm. because it's a good process movie. While we're thematically connected, and since I don't have yeah. a lot to say about yeah. it, also yeah. on my list was Moneyball for similar reasons. I've yeah. not seen this uh, yet. Yeah, Moneyball's, a great Moneyball's great, dude. Yeah. Yeah. you got to see it. I love it. You would love Moneyball. Yeah, I really and, want But to. Moneyball is very much about the numbers of baseball right. and the way that they're being applied. And but it's... because the movie has to teach you about the way that this guy ranks players, 
it it does that through like functional stuff and it's uh jonah hill's like really fantastic and he has great rapport with brad pitt yeah. that's a movie that moves that i did not expect to like and just fucking loved but it's process Ooh. it's got a great chris mm. pratt performance too actually yeah. before he oh, became yeah. really big is, that um, was the movie is, that he lost weight for and like kept re-auditioning as he was losing weight and then they finally just cast him. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, he was uh, fun at one point. Is that the one that's directed by the guy who did Foxcatcher? Um, Am I right sounds about right. that? That sounds right. Because I was not crazy about Foxcatcher. Um, yes, but he Fox did do Foxcatcher, yeah. Foxcatcher is the opposite in terms of pace. Right, okay. He also did Capote, I believe. Right. Which I just recently caught up with and that was all right. That's good? Okay. It's pretty there, good. I, it, more it. so that it made me want to read in Cold Blood, and then that was yeah. a masterpiece. Okay. Um, I liked Foxcatcher a lot, though, but yeah. it's a far cry in tone from uh, yeah. uh, Moneyball. Yeah. Moneyball is really fun to watch, whereas Foxcatcher is, is... That's actually one of the bleaker movies of recent memory. Yeah, it and, is. But uh, Moneyball, I was, Fox, uh, Moneyball is really a lot of fun. Yeah, um, it's really It's fun. just a fun movie. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm going to throw uh, probably my most obvious pick out um, so to hopefully give you guys opportunities to, to throw some other stuff out. All the President's Men, I think, is one of the best process movies ever made. It's it, it turns journalism into an action movie, which is like the coolest idea ever uh, that typing words on a page could be as exciting as Indiana Jones, like punching oh, Nazis yeah. on moving trucks. Yep. Uh, and I, I genuinely think the movie like is as exciting as that, you know, uh, and that is like to me, that is one of the highest examples of or one of the best examples of like why I like process so much is because that's really what it can do when you do it right is you can I think that's what turned me on to process because we watched yeah. that one in yeah. school. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's like that movie is just like so exciting for subject matter that the subject matter is exciting, but the the literally the process by which they're getting right. this done should be the most unexciting thing in the world. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it should not be interesting and exciting to watch. Yeah. I um, think that a uh, spotlight in the post, we can yeah, put in the exactly. same breath as yep. those. They're very similar yeah. in that regard where it's just clickety clackety of typewriters and yep. askance glances and hushed phone I calls, but it, mm. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't pick one of them, so all three of those were honorable mentions for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Because I was like, "There's a journalism movie," and I was like, "I just can't," because they're all good and they're they're yeah. better. Some of them are better at other things, and yeah. um, you know, but they're they're all great. Gary, um, you should revisit "Sweet Smell of Success" with process in mind. Oh yeah, I should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my next one is uh, "Blowout" by Brian De Palma. Oh yeah. Oh, I can't wow. believe I didn't think of that. That movie yeah, me fucking rules. That's crazy. That is such a good one. Um, because After all it's, that shit I was talking on Travolta earlier, you go and pull this. <laughs> oh, um, man. Hey, the Travolta goes one way and then he goes the other way, just oh, like in man. the meme. Um, he blows it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, but blow out just because it both involves the process of, uh, you know, tracking down, like it has that noir thing, obviously. And then also very much the process of the literal sound process of movies. Yeah, um, it, it just... Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite movies, honestly. That's a good movie. I have a special bond with that movie because at one point, um, John uh, Lithgow goes undercover as a Bell Telephone wireman, and he wears the Bell Telephone helmet. My life was paid for by Bell Telephone. My dad worked there forever, so we had those helmets around our house all the time. <laughs> and it's like a logo that doesn't exist. And every time I watch Blowout, I'm just like, we out here. 
Uh, <laughs> this gives me an opportunity to just throw another like honorable mention shout out uh, to uh, related to the movie. We just watched The Conversation is another good process movie yeah. that mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily want to include on the list, but it has a lot of good like sound uh, uh, process. Like they, they show a lot of him like recording sounds and then yeah, going back to them this, yeah. later and trying to like figure out how to get other sounds out of what he recorded. It's really cool. Love that. Movie. I don't I don't have much to say about this one, but like. I, I love to cook partially because it's process mixed with mad science because you're just oh, yeah, mixing yeah. ingredients until they do something. And Chef has a couple of moments where if you watch closely, it'll teach you how to make a great Cuban. It'll <laughs> teach you how to do some things. And the process ele- – I, I love that movie, but the process elements of that movie are what stick in my head most. Yeah, that's a great way to think um, about that movie. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, and it is a, it's a long, it's a, it's a macro process movie because he's a guy trying to build right. a business from, from little and, uh, you know, but it all comes down to, he's got to nail the process of like, we're going to make the best food and that's how we'll succeed. And so yeah, chef just sticks in my head as one. So that was on my list. Nice. I like that. That's cool. Uh, Dan, I, I, I uh, oh, I, I guess Ryan, you're probably next, aren't you? Uh, I I thought you were next, but but I can go. Um, so th- th- this is a movie that I'm surprised, Garrett, that you have not mentioned. Uh, but Shin Godzilla is a process movie. Oh my movie. god! I um, oh, that's I the best process. Yeah, movie. that's a really good one. I can't believe I didn't think of that. That makes me mad. <laughs> uh, but when you're always thinking about Godzilla, I know, it's hard to highlight. You more couldn't, specific Godzilla. you couldn't see the Godzilla for the tree. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I sat, down this this, <laughs> I sat down to this list and my first thought was, could I squeeze the Godzilla movie onto this list? And it was like, ah, don't even try. You can't, don't force your way into it. And then you could have uh, done missed it. an obvious one. Yeah. Weirdly, there's a couple that are actually kind of process movies. Like the original one, like anytime where they're trying to figure, where the humans are trying to figure out how to defeat Godzilla, it's kind of a process movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But shouldn't Godzilla, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Shin Godzilla, like, is the perfect example of that because it is yeah. equal parts, uh, you know, Veep, the death of Stalin. It's in and, the loop. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And, oh, I didn't even think of in the loop. That's a really good one too for this list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, just, I wish that is a, much I, like Godzilla, more process movies should have a moment where everyone's just like, "We got to do this, we got to do this," and then someone's just like, "No." Let them fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That should happen in every process movie. Yeah. Shin the loop. That's yeah. like yes. basically what that movie is. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, I that is it. such a good one. Well, so I'm surprised you haven't brought this one up, Dan. And so I was kind of like hanging on to one really quick because I wasn't. I I sort of thought this would be on your list. So hopefully I'm not stealing this from you. But um, The Martian strikes me as one of the uh, better process movies. I didn't yeah. even think about it, I, and that's the best process list. movie. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, because yeah. he literally describes why process is so compelling in yes. the final lines of the movie, the yes. solve enough problems and you get to go home. Yep, that yep. is what they're doing for the entirety of Taken. That's a great, I can't even believe I didn't think of it. Yeah. Also, uh, to tell you the truth, when I sat down to write this list, I ended up just watching Pelham 1, 2, 3 again. <laughs> so that's why my list isn't as thoughtful as I would hope. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. You know, and, and to build off The Martian, <laughs> um, another movie where the that is like tel- taking a film one, two, three in the sense that it's about the deviation from the process yeah. is Apollo 13. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, th- that movie's all about, and you know, my favorite scene in that movie is when they're like, we got to fit this square filter into this round hole <laughs> yeah. using this stuff. And it's like, Oh, that's like the, the, the problem solving slash process part of my brain just like wants to play with that stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm just picturing Garber working for NASA. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. He's just like, we gotta get these boys back from the moon. Give me some peace of mind, will you? <laughs> like, we got space. You know, I will. What is it like? Uh, I will never lift a finger to help fix a rocket that sends our boys in blue <laughs> off into space. And then you know they go back and forth. Yeah. Ed Harris shows. Oh, that would be a screaming match. Yeah. Ed Harris v. Walter Matthau. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, well, the last one, one I have on my yeah. list. Um, it's not even a process movie, but it's a movie that features some of the best process I've ever seen in a movie. And uh, Ryan, you can back me on this, but uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire taught me how to paint. Yeah, I believe it. And That's a great I, example. I, not that I'm a painter and I've not tried painting since then, <laughs> but if I sat down to paint and I closed my eyes, the steps that they take visually in Portrait of a Lady on Fire during the painting scenes, I would give consideration to and I never would have known to. Uh, and so because times... they show painting as a process. Y- yeah, they so kind many... of thematically link that to the story. There's so many times when I'm looking at paintings and I'm like, I don't like there's I don't understand how you go from a blank canvas and colors to this without just mm-hmm. like my brain doesn't know how to connect those. And fortunately, on fire is the best example that shows that in terms of like, like I can see people paint and they're like, oh, I'll just add a glob of this color over here and whatever. And then you're like, oh, shit, that's an arm. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're so like, they show I it like it. layer by layer. Right. Too, yeah, where exactly. It's like the draft. The yep. coloring, the ink, it's it's really phenomenal. And then the touch-ups, and you're like, oh. how does this blob become the thing? And you're like, oh, that, okay, that's how, obviously. Like, there's no other way it could happen. And, yeah, oh, so good. It's beautiful, and that's how the romance occurs as well. Oh, I gotta watch that Mwah. movie. I'm gonna watch the movie tonight. Uh-huh. Ooh, it's so, it's so good. good. It's um, so good. That was the last one I had, and I'm just sitting here pissed that I didn't come up with Martian. That's like, the, <laughs> that is, that's the answer. That book He's literally just a guy listing the processes. Yeah. And it's a fantastic book. Um, wow. So I, I know that I can throw out that yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Jackie Brown is a cool process movie. Because yeah. that's how I learned how bell bonds work. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's how I <laughs> yes. learned how bell bonds work. Yes. And also, too, that has that really smart and uh, almost cryptic move where during, when they do the, the changing room swap, Mm-hmm. It takes like two separate layers of the lens yeah. pulling back before we understand the motivations of Robert Forrester's character in grabbing the bag. I mean, Max and Cherry. Mac, Max Max Cherry. Cherry. Max Cherry. They're pretty good. Uh, the man, he's the best. Uh, I watch anytime I watch that movie. Whenever it hits that one point, I'm like, wait, why did he do that? And then 20 minutes yep. later, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. It was just I didn't know the process yet. Yeah. yeah. If only I was real chill like Max Cherry. Yeah. Meeks cheery. <laughs> Man, the look he has on his face when he emerges from the movie theater of just a satisfied moviegoer who saw a movie that was pretty good. He's <laughs> like, "Man, nobody nobody could have done that." Yeah. Only him. Uh, well, I'll give my final one and then I actually have like a, a just a bunch of others that we can uh, that I'll just read off quick. But my final one and Ryan, I think you watched this movie recently and it's another one of my favorite, favorite examples yep. is Michael Mann's Thief mm-hmm. is a great process oh, yeah. movie. Yeah, you get all you get. Pro- there's like the scene where he goes to the guy to make the specific drill bit that he needs. Yep. And you see like all the molten like uh, uh, I don't know what like. It's not lava, but like the molten like uh, steel metal that he's like working in or whatever. And then you watch him use that drill like, uh, you know, you see him like how sort of like dirty and aggressive it is to like do these heists and stuff. I love the process in that movie. It's like one of my favorite things. And I realized as I was I was like or Manhunter or Heat or like just Michael Mann movies or process movies. You know what I mean? And 
Thief has a great deviation from process moment because yeah. it's like typical process is you know, uh, meet a, meet your significant other and then make love, go through a pregnancy and have a child and they right, deviate. Right. And it's like, meet some, and then purchase a child yeah, yeah, and yeah. then try to, so it's a deviation from process uh-huh, in that uh-huh. they, they purchase a baby and yes. then have to return to normal, you know, regular, regular life. My favorite thing about that movie. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that uh, of course reminds me for some reason of, uh, uh, sorcerer. That's oh, another that's movie that has list, degrees yeah. of, of process to it. Yeah. I still need to see that. Yeah. Man, oh, you would love it, man. It's like real. That's it's how it's a, done. It's, def- it's de- definitely on the list. Um, I've got to do Wages of Fear. Yeah. I wanted to shout out Nightcrawler is, is a pretty good process oh, movie. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, kind of teaches you how that sort of like nightly news stuff works with, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, getting some of that footage and stuff, which is kind of cool. Um, One Cut of the Dead. I think it's a good process movie. That's it's a great process movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, Did you see that yet, Ryan? No, not yet, but I, I will. I now that you have it. Shudder, it's on Shudder. Okay. Uh, dude, One Cut of the Dead is as lovely a love letter to the collaborative art of making movies as there ever was. Sweet. But I urge you to not know more than that going yeah. into it. It's, okay. it's a really fun process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really good. Uh, I... Fletch I wrote down as a good process movie because I think it's actually one of the better detective movies as far as yeah. just like really watching the process he goes down of like sort of throw my hand up and eats. say that I have not seen a Fletch movie oh. and I know how close they are to your heart Garrett oh. so I will correct that soon oh, so that uh, so we'll be better friends once we do oh my god Fletch is great. your life will be better for having yeah. I, I just have such a love hate relationship with Chevy Chase because I know how how rumored he is to be awful yeah he is unbelievably funny it's it, he's it is, unbelievably funny it's my favorite chevy chase is, right on his fletch um yeah i think i think i think fletch is number one and then i think spies like us is number two for me <laughs> i love spies two. like us yeah yeah <laughs> spies like us is great so wait there's fletch and fletch lives right yes correct and that's yeah. it yeah, yeah, the uh, it's based on a series of books. There's like a ton of these books, but um, they only ever made two movies. Yeah. Okay, and are they both good? Uh, I actually don't remember much about Fletch Lives. I know Same. I saw okay. it. Um, Fletch is the one that I loved growing up and have watched many times in recent years. And I, I will watch so, it. it I always well. see when that crosses your letterbox, and I always yeah. go, "Man, Garrett really likes Fletch, and he never really love it. We never really talk about it. Love it. I don't know. We should do an episode. It's a great like. detective movie that is also hilarious. Nice. Yeah, real good. Um, um, sorry, I, it's one, some honorable mentions I could throw out. One other thing I just wanted to throw out is just that I think that Edgar Wright and Sam Raimi are both process filmmakers. I yeah. I, mm-hmm. I started thinking about their movies and realized like. Their movies are literally not just about the because like their movies are often about the processes their characters go through. Well, you Baby see a Driver lot. is very much yeah. a process movie. Yeah. And so is Shaun of the deviation. Dead. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But but even you know even think about like Scott Pilgrim versus the World is like you see like the process of going to the bathroom and washing your hands. Like right. there is yeah. a yeah, 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 process yeah. all oh, over their movies. Sean walking to get his ice cream yep. cone yeah. and doing that, and then the deviation yep. from that. That's yeah. Process is all over their movies, and I realized that part of the reason process is all over their movies is that. Their movies themselves are process and about process, literally about the process of movies, of moving images and how you can use moving images to convey ideas. And do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Garrett, what was the there was a movie where we we did an episode where we landed upon this 
where the structure of the movie was repeating the same story over and over. Not literally like in an edge of tomorrow sense. Yeah. But there was we did an episode where we landed upon this where the the the, the, the like not even the plot, the story of the movie was a repetitive thing. I don't know. I don't know. I can't think Does of it. Does that ring a bell to you? N- not right now. For some reason I feel like we attributed we- it to Boogie Nights somehow, but I, I just don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right guy, go for it. Let's just yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a Ford v Ferrari. Uh, it's a process Ooh. movie about how you make cars and make them go real fast. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I like that movie so much. I yeah, it I'm excited to watch that. It's, it's so good. shot really well, dude. The the yeah. car stuff is like kind of next level. It's pretty. Um, yeah, I want to watch it. And dad. Tracy Letts is fucking hilarious in the movie. There's a He's, great scene with Chase, Tracy yeah. Letts that's like piss your pants funny. Yeah, and he got like, and it's. There's an emotional arc that his character goes through and your reaction to that like also changes. Like your understanding of that character does like a 180. Like you understand everything about who he is and why he does everything that he does from this like 30 second moment. And it's perfect and amazing. Yeah, um, it's good shit. Yeah, I wanted to throw out Goodfellas uh, as oh, a process movie because there's so much in terms of like how the mob works and how yeah, the mob yeah. gets money. I like that they purposefully excise the process of a heist. Right. The heist in that movie is just not in it. And uh, that that process is gone. Tommy but just likes to steal. It's part of the bigger process. And then there's deviations from it where right. people are buying fur coats for their, their wives and stuff. What are you doing? <laughs> so good. The movie's, uh, it's, it's just, so good. It's the best. Um, and then, uh, and then you know, I had the normal kind of like, uh, you know, heist movies like The Italian Jobs, The Ocean's Eight, The, uh, you know, French Connection, Silence of the Lambs the, on the procedural side. And then, you know, Reservoir Dogs is the flip of the anti-process movie in a way. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where, because so much of it takes place after the attempted heist. And We're watching the deviation, the deviation correction. Yeah. yeah. So. Also, clearly... Uh, uh, one of the movies that has most been influenced by taking of Pelham one two three. Right. I assume the names are are uh, based on the movie Taking Pelham one two three. Mr. Blue, Mr. Well. Brown, Mr. Green. <laughs> oh, um, that's that's actually confirmed. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tarantino, of course, stole that idea, the concept of yep. these guys don't need to know each other's names. Right. Which actually reminds me of a great moment uh, at the beginning of the movie when. Uh, Mr. Green tries to talk to the conductor. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, what did they get? He's like, you ever been written up before? Oh, what did they get you for? And yeah. Robert Charles just like, go ahead. Tell him more about you. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> tell him like, your whole life story. Why don't tell you? Me that was it. Yeah. Uh, and it just occurred to me now, uh, let me get my Rocky poster and frame over here. Um, it occurred to me now that uh, what is a Rocky montage? But diet process. Yes, absolutely. It's just process as it goes through. Also, check out my sweet trash picked artwork. It's fucking huge. That's awesome. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, we found that in the trash. The original apple has been recovered. It's it's a full <laughs> weekly world news thing, and it's the whole size of the wall. But the best part about it is the date on it is my 21st birthday. That rules. Just That's by awesome. chance. Yeah, so we found that. Um, it actually well, belonged to a former member of the, uh, or formerly belonged to a current member of the Philadelphia Film Society. Because she saw it on, I forget her name now. She saw it on Instagram. Was like, yeah, that was mine. We put it in the trash because we couldn't <laughs> couldn't have it for a move. I was like, oh, I'll take good care of it. Nice. Well, gentlemen, this was a pleasure. I'm glad we got to talk about this movie. Hell yeah. I'm glad fun. I finally pulled the trigger on this because this yeah. is like no lie, one of my favorite movies I've ever it's seen. So good, man. It's amazing. I can't As wait for you to like watch more it again. And more with too. writing scripts, that the like movies that have a really solid script 
Yeah. Really, I don't. I don't. Even a shitty director and a shitty cast would have to work hard to fuck up this script. <laughs> it, it's that good. And and yeah. it just the more and more I think about things in terms of of their script, the more and more I respect that. And this script is is pretty airtight. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Super fun. Um, so why don't we uh, uh, plug ourselves? Because Ryan, you got some very exciting uh, podcasts that you're a part of that yeah. I'd like you to tell people about. Yeah. So you can find me on uh, Twitter and Letterbox at Silber whatever. That's with a B. You can find my writing at Cinema76.com, and then I have three other podcasts to plug. <laughs> um, so you can find. Uh, oh, I forgot to plug the car one up front. That's all right. Um, we'll do it now. Um, fuck it. We'll do it live. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I have uh, Shame Files, which I do with uh, my wife and previous guest of this show, Jill. Uh, we just dropped an episode talking about uh, Near Dark, which I finally got to see because it's streaming on Criterion Channel. Oh, nice. We keep uh, odd hours. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, that's um, the best line. And then uh, I do I Saw It in a Movie with uh, also former guests of the show. Uh, that'll be a theme with these podcasts. Um, uh, it's like Rosalie we all know from, each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Rosalie called I Saw It in a Movie, which is a movie advice podcast. Uh, so I think the uh, the first like couple episodes will be out. Uh, but we have a bunch banked already, and uh, that's been super fun. It's You have a question about life or the movies, and we will answer it via movies. Um, and I then just, I, I just caught up with that. I listened to like the last uh, two episodes and it is very good and fun. Highly recommend that podcast to people. Awesome. Thanks for listening, Garrett. Yeah. Uh, and then I do a uh, uh, Formula One podcast with former guests of this show, as well as former Shane Files guest uh, Ian Kimball. Um, and uh, that's called I, this one I, admit, I haven't listened to this one yet. And I feel like this is the one I'd enjoy most. It is. I mean, it's going to be weird. We haven't done an episode in a while because of uh, the virus and the fact that they have not been racing, but mm-hmm. they just, the uh, official Formula One YouTube account just put, started putting up all races. So we're going to try to record an episode uh, this weekend about That's a race fun. from 1996 that we've never seen because we're both new fans. And, you know, it's mostly just us kind of riffing on stuff. And uh, Formula One is a sport that is surprisingly easy to get into when it's actually happening because there's only. You know, there's uh, 20 drivers and it's every other Sunday and it's only over two hours long. So it's, you know, if you can watch a movie, you can watch a race. Yeah. Um, I but, have uh, a roommate that was real into to, uh, Formula One. And so I watched it a lot by proxy with him. It was Well, as I never got into it, it was really fun. Yeah. We would always have a good time. Yeah. And because most of it's in Europe, it's like, you know, over like most of the time it's done by like 1030, 11 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. So nice. I get up. Get up, you know, have a nice drink, watch it, and then uh, start my day. So, Ryan, say the name of the podcast again. Oh, yeah, it's uh, called F Yeah F One. That's great. <laughs> I uh, uh, I'm pitching an idea right now that we should cross over the podcasts and watch the excellent documentary Senna. Senna, oh, yeah, I would love to watch that because I I'm familiar with the Senna story, but have not seen the documentary. It's the documentary is great, fantastic, because yeah. it's uh, all archival footage edited together. There's no talking head interviews, yeah. like there's interviews from the time period, but there's no like retrospective, like and this is why we thought that blah blah. You know, it's it's just and it's one of those movies that it. that catches like it does capture why people are drawn to Formula yes. One, both yep. as what as viewers and as participants. And that's that's something that I've never understood. And after that movie, I was able to enjoy the actual races more. What's that yeah. British car show that everybody loves? Uh, Top Gear. Yeah, I've seen their episode about Senna. I think, Herbie which, fully loaded. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is why I'm like familiar with the Senna story. But I would like to see that doc. 
Yeah, no, it's. Uh, nice. I think it's still on Netflix. It's been on there for a long time. That uh, director went on to make the uh, Amy Winehouse one that won the Oscar. That's right. Yeah. Oh, and that's a great. That's a fantastic. It is. Yeah. I'm really so. growing to love all these documentaries that are coming out that are that are just uh just the footage like Apollo 11 and all that. Yeah, yeah. No oh, yeah. talking heads. I oh, think we're it's like a post 30 for 30 that's a world movie. Yeah, that is a process movie. <laughs> like, but I guess Apollo 13 covers that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we, we would love to do a crossover episode. I mean, because the, uh, you know, that is the loosest of all the podcasts that I appear on because it's Ian and I just kind of talk, talking about the sport that we love and just kind of riffing on everything uh, about it. So yeah. definitely check it out, even if you're not a fan. Yeah, nice. Uh, Dan, why don't you uh, plug plug your wares? So I was looking up, what is the name of Chris Vanderkay's podcast that we were both on? Oh, uh, I'm looking great. at the email because I forget it, and I had so much fun on that show. Great question. Uh, I'm gonna have to find it on my uh, Twitter feed. I think I found it. I found it. Um, so recently, I was on a podcast, and Garrett was on it as well, called yes. "Every Little Corner of Cinema." Yeah, that's what's called. Uh, you should check that out. Uh, where they bring a zealot of a certain type of movie on to teach Chris about their virtues and pitfalls. And so Garrett has an episode where he goes through Godzilla. Yes, and I, I have an episode where I go through the Rocky franchise. Yeah, and super so fun. So definitely check those out. Uh, that was really a lot of fun. And you're going to hear some more from Chris in the future. Yeah. And um, you can find all my stuff, cinema76.com, findy.com. Um, I think that's pretty much all. At Dan Scully on Twitter, Letterboxd, all that fun stuff. And uh, is there anything else I need to do? Uh, I guess uh, now nah, whatever I, my website's not ready to launch. It's just my por- it's it's literally just my portfolio to pitch with. Yeah. But I needed it. Yeah. But I, I I haven't fully registered it yet, so I'm not going to say that because I might not get the name I want. Fair, fair, <laughs> fair. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Phil Medelfia. That's with an F. I'm still on Cinema76.com uh, and uh, uh, FarsightedBlog.com, and uh, I think that's yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have to plug. Uh, Oh, I'm going to be on an upcoming episode of I Saw It in a Movie. <laughs> nice. Plug that. So uh, tune into that. Uh, right, i got to send you a question. Yeah. Uh, oh, can I plug one last thing? Please. Yes. Um, no. So, <laughs> no. Get the fuck out of here. It's not even for me. I just want to say that uh, Tori has been uh, doing her uh, gender, sex and gender, and uh, oh, David yeah. Cronenberg series. Yes. And her piece on the fly is probably the best it's really one really good. Yeah. Um, so you should check that out on really great. Yeah. That, that piece she wrote on the fly is like great. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. Really broke that movie open in a way that I had not considered before reading uh, her piece on it. So uh, if it yeah. took a movie that's infinitely rewatchable and made it one that I actually now want to go out and rewatch, yeah. uh, like prioritized. Yeah. And, and that's, that's cool. Like that's powerful. Yeah. That was a great piece. Yeah. yeah. That's really, that's really, what we all you, aspire to in terms of writing, I think is like, yeah. you know, not like, Oh, it's this new hot take it, but it's like, Oh, I haven't thought about this movie in this particular way before. Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, it's such a great lens to look at Cronenberg through. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the the fact that he he literally started by working with porn producers and yeah, you know, just those kind. It's it's a great lens to look at it through. And as the series progresses, it just it 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 makes me love Cronenberg more, which yeah. is what I think should be the goal of any writing about anything. So kudos. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll I'll pass along your kind words. Um, appreciate that, fellas. Tell her um, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. 
Uh, well, and you know what? Uh, so you can check. She has a podcast called Butter with that. Um, so that's a thing I'll throw a, a plug out to as well, as long as we're here. Um, check out Butter with that. And uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up, gentlemen. Yeah, let's wrap yeah. it up. Let's do it. Yeah, um, guys, stay is, safe yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, please. Please, yeah. Uh, you know, call your loved ones. We'll all get through this. And uh, also, yeah. I mean, you know, we didn't say this yet, but uh, we're we're in the process of putting together a YouTube with weekly content. Yeah, so, you might actually uh, stay be able to like for that, and you'll hear some stuff episode. from us on that. Yeah, yeah. like you may Sweet. be able to see this episode. Uh, uh, if you listen to our Michael Pressman interview, that's something we might get to—I don't know—at some point put up on YouTube. Like we're we're because we're having to do this, we're now assembling a bunch of uh, video content that I think we are going to make a page for. So, and since I want to hold you accountable in front of the fans, are yeah. sunglasses inside always going to be a thing for uh, no. YouTube, Garrett? No. <laughs> I just like. I totally some, dig it. This isn't a joke at all. I just every time I've used this camera, I like can't stand the way I look. So I went with hat, sunglasses, <laughs> microphone in front of my face. I tried very Fair hard enough. to cover as much as possible. I got it. The only reason I notice is because I can see me in your glasses <laughs> as a reflection from the screen. Oh, that's perfect. And it's like fucking my shit up. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Good. Uh, all right, let's let's close it out. Uh, my name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. My name is Ryan Silverstein, and I also like to movie movie. We all know that you like to movie movie because we, we like, like, like to, to movie, movie. delay Skype. 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 Skype.